0: Give me your money. What? You heard me. Give me your fucking money. Hey, man, don't shoot. You're mugging us? I don't believe this. You better believe it or you're dead. Give us your money. Oh, no. All right, here, take this. It's full of money. No, no, no. That's mine. Don't fuck with me, man. We want your cash, not your luggage. All right, you can take the cash, but we need the wallets. We want it all. Hurry. Oh, come on. Let us keep the driver's licenses and the snapshots. And our badges. Shit. Right. What do you think? We all wear uniforms. We all drive around in cars that say "police" on them. Me, look, see, I'm, I'm with you. You're under arrest. <laughs> you have the right to remain silent. Anything you do or say will be used against you. You have the right to an attorney. Give me, g- g- give me your guns, one, man. No, no. You can have the cash, but uh, we got to keep the guns. Shit. No, I don't want right to be responsible for guns falling breakfast. into the hands of roofers such as yourself. have laugh, the right to the yourself. beverage okay, of your choice in the Coffee Shop. Now, fellas, this is just me talking, but I would rather get shot with one of those pissant 22s. With my 38. Ooh. Now you're already under arrest. Don't make it any worse for yourself. Again, I'm gonna shoot your ass. Pointing a gun at a police officer. Can we waste them for that? I think so. Yeah. Where the flowers of temptation grow I left the rest for the others It was you and nothing else You felt so good to me, baby good as life itself You were life itself Rushing over me Life itself
1: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening people, whenever you are listening to us, we are back with episode 72, uh, I'm Mark Foster and I'm joined by my co-host, Ian Loring, hi guys, and this is the Dude and the Monkey podcast, uh, this week uh, we have, well we, what we don't have, we don't have a Transformers 4 review, because instead we've decided to plump for our review of the Roger Ebert uh, doc life itself, uh, we're also going to have the... Is it the? It's not the penultimate, is it? We've got two more after this, haven't we?
2: Yeah, and uh, I I fucked up the timings as well. The the week off didn't uh, didn't help. Obviously that was my fault anyway. But the the week off didn't help. So I think because Dawn of the Planet of the Apes comes out in two weeks, so I think if possible, I think we need to do Burton's and Rise next week. Well, I think that should be fine.
1: Yeah. Nice. So it's so it is technically the technically the penultimate episode of Ian and Mark throw their own shit at each other uh, with Battle for the Planet of the Apes Uh, we're also going to have some 101 news um, and we're going to chat some trailers and some questions read out your answers to the question that we posed yourselves which is what are your best and worst sports movies reason for choosing that is you know we're towards the end of the World Cup it's the final of Wimbledon today in fact it's literally just finished um, and uh, I was surrounded by sport in York because the Tour de France went through here today. Um, so that was why I chose that. Um, Ian, uh, anything to add that's happened in the only a few days since we last recorded? Actually, uh,
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so.
1: No, no. There's, there's there's nothing nothing major uh, happened in the in the film world or the or the general world itself. Um, People still seem to be getting their planted in huge wads of this allocated seating thing. It seems to be growing and growing and growing.
2: I've just got to say about that. The thing is, I wrote that article. I'm actually not that bothered about it. I just think that my my whole thing about that, because like I've had a few like comments and whatnot from people like basically saying, "What the fuck? Why are you why are you this bothered about it?" The thing is, I'm not. not. I'm genuinely not. And it's just, it's it's more the fact that Cineworld are painting it as something that's actually good for the consumer. And if they were just call, calling it as it is and saying, we're introducing this, this is what's going to happen, end of, I think I would have been more like, yeah, all right, then fine. But it was just the fact that their literature made it as, like saying it was all for the benefit of the consumer when it's it's... I I just I don't think it is and you know there are there are definite benefits to allocated seating and yes it is used in sports events and concerts and the theater and all that kind of stuff and that I absolutely yeah I agree my like I have my my personal reasons for why I'm not a big fan of it in the cinema my main thing being that I don't like the idea that I can't get up and move to another seat if so if somebody's pissing me off. To which people say, "Oh yeah, but you can." But it's it's not that it's not the cinema's official policy is oh, but if half an hour in, no one else is sitting in the, in any of the other seats, go ahead. Mm. It's you know this is what the cinema
1: wants you to do. Um, yeah, that that that's been that that's been one of uh, the man I've seen a bit of people saying, well you know. Um, if it's really quiet, you can't just sit anywhere. well, no, because then you, if you if you go into a cinema and it's allocated seating and it's half empty and you go into your seat and you decide to go, I'm going to go and sit over there because that's the best seat, essentially you are saying that if I get in and it's mega busy and somebody's sat in my seat, I then have, have, have negated the right to say to them, uh, sorry, that's my seat, because fuck it i can i've made up the rules when i wanted to yeah
2: yeah i mean that that's
1: yeah that's
2: exactly it i mean i don't but like i said i genuinely it's it's not something that keeps me up at night or something like that and to be honest some people online it kind of sounds like it is my my thing was just that it's blatantly not consumer driven and mm-hmm. Cineweld are very, very much trying to like paint the picture that it is. That's what what bothers me. The fact that you know I didn't say this in the article, but the fact that they have refused to actually show any of the evidence of the research they did that they said was extensive customer research to actually kind of like do this in the first place. And a lot of people have been retweeting stuff from there own twitter account from a few years ago where there was one thing i saw today that um filmland empire um retweeted saying in 2010 yeah it was it was four years ago but still four we found that four out of five of our customers don't like allocated seating and we tend to agree with that and it's just it's it's things like that they're they're happy they were happy to say to kind of come out with these figures then they're not happy to come out with these figures now. It just that kind of thing bothers me. The, like, but to be and to be honest with you, I'm. It it's not. It's not like the projection standards is my big bugbear as it should be. Hmm. You, you know, you know what I mean. That, yeah. that and pricing, uh, I, 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 you know. But I, 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 Sorry, sorry. It's just I, I just say like. I, I kind of, I wrote that piece because of that angle. And yet yeah, it does kind of seem like I've been getting comments from people who haven't actually read it and understand what I was trying to say. Yes. Maybe that's my fault for not actually presenting that clearly enough. I don't know.
1: Maybe it was. No, that, that, um, that's, that's people seeing people tw- retweeting or tweeting about an article and assuming they know what is actually in the article, the article in question, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have read it, if not, go to the verity Film website and read it, isn't actually Ian just saying, I don't like allocated scene, I don't like, what is it? It's 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 not a, it's not really, I, I don't know whether when you are writing it that, that it came across, but I didn't read it as a, this is you saying you are pro it or against it. You're just, the article is basically you saying, Look, allocated seating is this. It works in some ways. It doesn't work in other ways. But what Cineworld aren't really saying is the actual reason why they're doing it and why don't they just fucking say that? Yes, this
2: is is it. I mean, it's the fact that literally two weeks after they did this in their newsletter, they said that they're going to be trialling new Premier seating, which is going to be in the best rows. And I think it's going to cost... Two quid extra for all customers, including unlimited customers.
1: And you get better like. seats, like they do yeah, with yeah. the VIP seating.
2: Yeah, yeah, they, they oh, are. Right. Yeah, it's essentially what Vue are doing, we uh, did with the VIP seats, and Odeon uh, have done with Premiere. So to be fair, Cineworld are actually quite slow on the uptake there. But mm. the fact is, they're doing one of the reasons why they're doing allocated seating is so they can say, "You're sitting in this bloody seat. Your ticket says you're sitting in this seat." So if we catch you sitting in a in a Premier seat that you haven't paid for.
1: You know, we reserve the right to kick you out. Yeah, I mean that that frequently happens in the views that I go to. But and that's, and I, I, I'll be honest, I've never sat in one of the premier seats at you. They 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 just. I like my I like a cinema seat. Hmm. I'm, I'm not there to be unbelievably comfortable. I'm there to be comfortable and watch a film. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's it's just I. I, I, of course, I won't pay two quid extra just to sit in a nicer seat. Like you say, the c- cinema seats are absolutely fine. Mm. They've already got enough leg room for me, and I'm I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but I'm fairly tall. Yeah. And, and like cinema seats do me absolutely fine. Um, it's just sorry, this is tangential, but never mind. It just it is the fact that my my like I've said, my major bugbear is the fact that it is being presented as if it's something that they've introduced due to customer feedback, and it's not because you know it's it's a way of guaranteeing the seats and also even though um brad like actually put this really really long thing on my facebook yeah where
0: sorry,
2: he, yeah, yeah he, he kind of like he had a point for every point and that's absolutely fair enough and i've said to him if you want to write a rebuttal for verite i'm sure jordan would be up for it and i hope he takes me up on that it uh, takes me up on that i will say and he might might be listening to this and if he is cool I am surprised that he said himself that he doesn't think it will mean that uh, they they would not have as many staff um he said that he basically said they'd move them over to concessions i don't think they will i just think they'll have less job openings like it, it just i they already have people on concessions they've al- they already closed the main box offices view did this like years ago close the main box offices and just have people on concessions
1: yeah that's yeah I viewed about years ago
2: yeah so i mean that that's what that is the way that it's going even though it was interesting actually we went to um showcase to see how to, how to train your dragon 2 last week and their concession stand would not sell us tickets they said you've got to go to the ticket thing all right and, and uh, like that seemed a bit backwards I I I, mean, I I I will say, and I, I, I was I was rather surprised by that, and I, I was kind of wondering what the thinking was behind that. I mean, we just went to an automated ticket thing and got him in, like, 30 seconds anyway, so it wasn't a problem. But...
1: I think it's a lot to do with that, that they're, they're trying to encourage people to just use the automated banks.
2: Yeah, yeah I don't, but, I mean, it was, I don't know, it was weird. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's. I mean the thing is, Brad had some, like, re- really good points as well, even though, I will say, he, he did say... There's essentially, I'm paraphrasing. There's something wrong with you if you're that if you're bothered about sitting next to a stranger in a cinema. There's so, there's something wrong with me then. I, I'm not a massive, and I think to be honest, there's something wrong with most people in that case. I think if you gave someone the choice of sitting next to a stranger in the cinema or having a seat empty next to you. I'd lo- I-, I would think most British people would take that I'll have the empty seat next to me.
1: Yeah, well, I would I would I would say most yeah most people would. It's just uh, it's not it's not a social thing, the cinema. The, the the aftermath of going for a drink after being at the cinema is a social thing. And festival screens they're a, a group thing, they're a group social thing. But actually going to the cinema, for instance, to see Cold in July uh, that's not a social thing. You can go for a coffee beforehand. You can go for a drink afterwards to talk about the film. That's fine. But for that two hours, that isn't a social occasion.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that that's that's the thing, and I mean, I think that's kind of why the whole argument of well they do it with sports and gigs, it it, it is slightly null and null and void there because it is a different atmosphere. Anyway. It, I mean, it is what it is, but genuinely, I know we've just, I've, I've just gone on about it for 10 minutes, but genuinely, I'm not nearly as bothered about it than a lot of people are. I just have a forum which enables me to actually get people to actually see it. And I mean, like, it's not like it was in Empire Magazine or anything like that. I'm not trying to big it up like that, but Verite has a good amount of readership, and mm. it has... I like professional film people who read it, it does, you know, I mean, that that's, that's all there is to it. I mean, like, I'm, I'm genuinely not trying to big myself up or anything here, but, you know, I said to Kermode, like, you know, take a look at this. Cause he he'd actually asked me, had I written something about it? Cause I mm. uh, tweeted, uh, tweeted asking what he would have thought of the fact that the city world in Ilford stopped the film halfway uh, 20 minutes in to check the uh, people's tickets. And then he actually just said to me, "Have you written anything up about this yet?" And um, and then when I had written something up about it, I, I tweeted him and he, he retweeted it and, and said there were good points and stuff like that, you know. And it's to be honest with you, I think the fact that I write for Verite is maybe the reason why he's ever looked at my stuff because he knows Verite and film people know Verite, and so. Mm if I say I've got this piece and they see the Verite URL, I genuinely think that actually makes people more willing to actually like, read, time, yeah. read the thing. And um, I mean, and all credit to Dave and Jordan for that, by the way. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's so, I mean, that's the thing. Like I just, I, I have that, I have that platform and I decided to write something about it. But to be honest with you, In all all sincerity, it's not a massive, massive, mad passion of mine. And somebody had actually tweeted me the day before I wrote it saying, like, have you you tried this in a world allocated seating thing? Yeah. or it's terrible. And I just tweeted him saying, to be honest with you, I actually thought it was all right. At least that (laughs) one time it was. Yeah. So, and I mean, it it, it was, I mean, the one bad thing about it was the fact that I wasn't able to um, get my preferred seat. And uh, Brad actually had something to say about this as well, which I'll bring up really quickly. Um, I like having, I like being the second seat in, in a row. And I prefer, and I like being about halfway up the screen. And and the Cineworld website wouldn't let me book that seat because I wasn't allowed to leave a gap.
1: Uh, Alright, right, yeah.
2: And like, I understand what they're saying from a business point of view, that it makes more sense that you know you're not leaving gaps and you're maximizing availability i would just say i didn't ask for allocated seating a month ago if i wanted to sit there it wouldn't be a problem
1: yeah i i have uh, i have a preferred seat in each of the uh screens at uh city screen um uh, and so i always sit in in that seat um if Uh, Luckily, they're they're, the staff seats, so they're almost always free. Um, And at Vue, it it is allocated seating. You don't get to choose your specific seat. Um, And maybe it's just my mindset, but I will sit in my ticketed seat. Yeah. That's it. Even if I go in and there's one other guy and he's chosen to sit in my seat, and I walk in and there's only that one person there and there's another 200 seats free, I will still happily go up and go, excuse me, beside my seat.
2: Yeah.
1: Because that's my seat. I don't know that there's a coachload of people about to come in to that screen behind me. So that that is why I will quite happily do that. And do you know what? I don't care if that makes me a twat. I'm quite happy to be a twat. So I I will happily do that. But yeah, I, I... I don't go to Cineworld so I don't take interest. I, have a, I don't really have a horse in this race but I do think it's interesting the fact that some people seem to be I mean some people are cutting up their World cards that just seems a little bit like tell you what, alright, cut up your Cineworld card and go pay a tenner every time you want to go and see a film of you Yeah, the Cineworld every Unlimited
2: Cineworld Unlimited is the best deal going in cinemas by a fucking mile Yeah and
1: if the cinema was open around the corner from me are in York, and they went it's what is it, is eighteen pounds a month uh it's about sixteen seventeen yeah yeah, right, and said so it's that a month, pays it, um and you can come and see as many films you want, but you could only sit on the floor in the aisle. I would still go, yep, yeah, book okay, it, why not
2: yeah I mean like the the only thing that gets me is the fact that it's it's not my easy, most easily accessible cinema anymore. And it, in terms of like travel time and whatnot, it literally takes cool. me 10 minutes to drive to the showcase, mm. uh, like and 10 minutes back. It's including like going to and from the train station and the train ride and whatnot. It's probably about 35 40 minutes each way to go to the world for me now,
1: yeah.
2: So it's you know, with like childcare as well. It's, it's a, like if 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 Cineworld pushed the unlimited price up again a bit, I would actually think about stopping my cards just because the showcase by me have matinee showings before twelve o'clock on a Saturday, and I like going to the cinema on Saturday mornings. Yeah, I
1: love my I love Saturday and Sunday morning cinema viewings. Yeah, it's it's like seven pounds. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah, so so if you see three three a month yeah you, you've paid for it
2: yeah uh, yeah then that that's about the same as the unlimited card but it's also it also i would
1: if you see one a week so four a month that's going to cost you what 30 quid
2: so it would yeah which if they raise the cinema unlimited card up to 20 quid say which i could see them doing to be honest yeah then um, you're,
1: you're an extra 10 you're going to save that in travel and just general and, and, and time time yeah. yeah
2: that's uh, to be honest with you i would i would actually like just bite the bullet there and say well yeah we, all right that's it i'm done
1: i mean being completely honest i i get in um because of the, some of the work i do for uh the city screen i get in free uh there um but occasionally time constraints do just mean that i i have to go of view, um and occasionally i get in free there as well but um more often than not i have to pay uh there, which, you know, I don't mind. You know, you know, people have to pay to go to the cinema. I'm not going to fucking complain that I have to pay to go to the cinema. Um, and, and, and I'm being completely honest, uh, also as well, uh, there are occasions where I want to pay to go and see a film. For instance, yeah. Frank, I could have got a free ticket to that, but I wanted to, to pay to see it, to hand over my money and say, there's my money, I support this film. Because there's far too many film people out there who will complain and complain and complain that, films, that smaller films don't get big releases when they'll only go and see them on the press screenings or their free screenings or anything like that. It's a bit like occasionally, if you want these things to happen, occasionally you've got to stump up a little bit of your own fucking cash.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, no, absolutely, man. I mean, it just, it's, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, so basically my whole thing is I'm 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 just I'm not that but bo- I'm genuinely not super super bothered and I doubt I'll ever write anything about it again. <laughs> it, it it just I uh, it it's I I it was just my thing. I was just getting out there. It just like I noticed the time that Brad wrote that thing. It was literally about three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night.
0: Yeah.
2: And like it was long, and i i don 't know it's i admire his passion for criticizing my article <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um, right uh tangent um, tangent uh, colored a little bit and we'll We'll get into it, Ian. Um, what trailers have you seen this this past sort of four days since we last well, recorded?
2: I, I think we'll catch up here, mate. Um, I don't think I've seen any. If, if you want to refresh my memory, maybe I have seen some, but I genuinely don't think I have.
1: I uh, saw so the trailer for um, Behaving Badly, um, which is a and, and do you know what, I've, I've forgotten basically what happens. But anyway, it stars. Nice. That girl who's banging Justin Bieber and has got a perpetually miserable-looking face. Selena Gomez, that's the one. Uh, Yeah, it kind of stars her and some other things and stuff happens, apparently. Um, So the are for (laughs) St. Vincent, the upcoming Bill Murray one, which is, you know, Bill Murray plays a bit of a miserable bastard and a single mother moves next door to him and he ends up sort of forming a relationship with her young kid and he becomes kind of like like the surrogate father and everything like that which is a story that goes on and on and we have it we have two or three of them every year um and most of them are terrible but then there's always that in the back of my mind going you yeah, know this one's got bill murray in it
0: mm.
1: which makes me go yeah, I could watch that yeah I could definitely watch that cuz it's got bill murray in it sadly though the the uh the actress who plays the uh mother who moves in next door is melissa mccarthy um so, if it's Melissa McCarthy pre-Bridesmaids, I'm all for it. If it's Melissa McCarthy post-Bridesmaids, then it's just that character that she now plays, and I just really can't be arsed. Then yeah. um, the other one is the um, a new film by John Hursfeld, um which is uh, called um, Reach Me, uh, which is a lot of people, essentially, um, their lives are touched by... Um, a reclusive writer who's written a self help book. Um, and on the sort of if you go, I read sort of, like, a little bit about it and it sounded pretty fucking terrible and it, it, it quite likely will be um, terrible. But listen to this for a cast um, Sylvester Stallone, Carrie Elwes, Terry Crews, Thomas Jane, Tom Sizemore, Tom Beringer, Kevin Connolly, Kira Sedgwick, Kelsey Grammer. Ryan, um, Quanten, uh, Danny Frank Stone, and Nelly. What? What is this? This film called Reach Me. Quite a cast. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing this is like one of those very much ensemble bits, and you'll have certain ones who are in it for maybe a few minutes, but it seems like they've all got issues, and all their issues have been helped by this this health help book uh, which is written by I think from the trailer um Tom Bering's character um wrote that. But yeah, it's and I'm, I'm actually quite interested. Um I think I think uh it was part of the funded by Stallone and the other part of the uh funding came from Kickstarter.
2: Oh fair play. Uh
1: so yeah I'm I'm actually quite quite interested in that. Um John Hustle has made some pretty terrible movies, um, to be honest. But he's also made Two Days in the Valley, which was a really fucking good movie. Um, so that's
2: uh, Norton and Evan. Rachel. No, you're
1: thinking Down in the Valley.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Two Days in the Valley, uh, again, quite. A, I mean, this, this, this for a cast, um. I mean, to in the Valley is literally uh, 48 hours uh, in the valley where there's drug dealing and murder gone wrong. But that as remember this was this was made in the mid '90s, '96—and you've got Daniello, um Jeff Daniels, Terry Hatcher, Eric Salt, Charlize Theron, Keith Carradine, Louise Fletcher, uh, and a whole of oh, James Spader. Uh, it's a—I remember thoroughly enjoying that. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm up for that. Nice. Um, but other than that, no, there's, there's not really been anything that, that's come along. No, I genuinely
2: no, I I don't have anything. Um, I'm expecting some big ones in the next week because Dawn of the Planet of the Apes comes out in the U.S. on Friday. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm anticipating. Uh, there's a new trailer for Gone Girl supposed to be out this week and. The first trailer, I think, for the new Ridley Scott Moses film, Exodus.
1: Oh, yes, yeah.
2: So, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk
1: about those next week. Yeah, cool. Right, so we shall play a trailer uh, from the Roger Ebert doc life itself, uh, and then we shall get into that.
0: Let's move on to a movie now that's one of the most brilliant, weird, and unusual American documentary films I've seen in a long time. Roger Ebert was the definitive mainstream film critic in American cinema. He has been writing for half of the history of feature films. Roger was a mature writer early on. He's written over a dozen books. He wrote a novel. He won a Pulitzer Prize. How on earth did Roger Ebert write Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Boobs beyond the valley you know this is a title roger was good addition but he also could take it he is a nice guy but he's not that nice it's thriller
2: week on Sisko and ebert in the movies and we've got three new ones sound a little excited
0: gene sound less excited roger roger ebert and gene Sisko were the most powerful critics of all time the perfect matching of opposites even though roger wrote beyond the valley of the dolls gene live the life these were towering figures clashing it was i'm gonna crush you you give benji the hunter a positive review that's totally unfair because you realize they almost did not care what anyone else thought as long as they could
1: try to persuade the other
2: this morning i confess that i am
0: a sick person three years ago i felt a lump under my chin and it turned out to be cancer roger had an inner core made of steel you want to rest a little bit or work a little bit Ask Steve, he's the director.
2: He is a soldier of cinema
0: who cannot even speak anymore and he plows on and that touches my heart very deeply. As a film critic, he was somebody who gave life to new voices, gave life to new visions that reflected all the diversity of this nation. He
2: made it possible for a bigger audience, a wider audience to appreciate cinema as an art form because he really
0: loved films. For me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us.
1: Okay, you just heard a trailer there for Life Itself, uh, the Stephen James, Roger Ebert doc. Uh, If we sound a little bit different, it's because we recorded the bulk of the show um, on Sunday, but due to uh, slight technical issues with iTunes US because of myself, we're actually recording the Life Itself um, segment of the podcast on Wednesday evening. So... It's bright and sunny where I am and uh, Brazil got handed their asses by Germany last night in the World Cup. Uh, Asses were handed. Asses were handed uh, in in an epic, epic way. Um, And we're going to uh, tell you our thoughts on, let's say, the Stephen James Life Itself uh, documentary, uh, which is based partially on the uh, memoirs of Roger Ebert himself, uh, which were published in 2011. Uh, And they also have segments interviewing uh, Eber in the, the last few months of his, uh, of his life. Um, it is very much a, this is how he got into writing and kind of a, a look as much at his influence as it is at his actual life itself, um, focuses very much on the, the bits that we actually kind of, really that we want to know about more or less. Uh, so Ian, um, what were your thoughts on the uh, Life Itself documentary?
2: Okay, so yeah, life itself. I um, I was a big fan of this. Um, I've never actually seen any of Steve James's work before.
1: Um, I've seen I've, I've seen a few. I've seen uh, Hoop Dreams um, and the uh, Interrupters, which are, which are both. Yeah, very I mean, nice. I just, nice.
2: I, I just yeah. For some reason, I just haven't uh, haven't actually seen any of his uh, any of his work. So um, I, I have no kind of. Background in him, um, but I've got a, a little bit of background in in i But I've, I've read quite a few of his collections of reviews and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, the, the interesting thing about life itself is that it it does kind of seem like if he hadn't died, that the film would be very different. um I mean, both kind of like in terms of the, the structure. Like I was reading an interview with um, Steve James on the Dissolve yesterday, where they were saying that they wanted to have footage of him having other critics. Around uh, his house and like and debating and whatnot, and uh, so you know, obviously, we don't get that here because they wanted to do that when they thought he was leaving hospital, but then he basically got pneumonia and then and then pretty much passed away. Um, so instead, I mean, it's a film about this guy who finds his calling in life, and through that, everything else just kind of clicks into place for, uh, for him, and um. I don't know. It's it's pretty heartbreaking. And um, I mean, there are I I would I would maybe say that. I wonder if there were some kind of like slightly more down moments that maybe we don't see that maybe it's the, the, the edges have been ever so slightly taken off. But I, I kinda of think that's I, I suppose that's fair enough, really. I mean, like you're prying into the life of a man who's dying. So but um yeah, I mean it's it's entertaining. Um I'm not gonna go and say it's life affirming, to be honest, because I, I I it didn't inspire me that that much in that way, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I really I thought it was quite something. Uh, what do you think? Um,
1: yeah, equally, I was I was incredibly impressed um, at, at, with the documentary. Uh, very much impressed at not only um, the the kind of looking back and getting an insight uh, more into to, to Eberts, um, you know life as such, um, and how he was as a person, you know, and very, like yourself, um, somewhat familiar with, with his uh, his writings, um, but not as, you know, and with, you know, I've watched several sort of back clips and stuff of um, the Cisco um, and Ebert shows and, you know, Lexi, you do become quite sort of familiar with him and even seems to be one of those um, film writers where even if you, you don't agree with him, um, there's something to take out of it, out of his writing. You often read it and say, you know what, I don't agree with your interpretation of that film, I don't agree with your views on that film, but your argument for why you think that is, it, it is still very entertaining and, and very challenging to read. Uh, I was—I'll be honest—I was—I was surprised at the the candor and everything that and the actual the amount of um, time that, that Stephen James um, got with with Eva, you know, very much in the last few months of his life. Um, it was—it was quite kind of it, it is quite an uplifting thing to see this guy who essentially it seems to be aware that that his his time is is, is very much dwindling but his, yes absolutely he's just sort of passion for it and his, his will to go do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna keep writing until the point and the right essentially i'm gonna keep working until the point of where i i just can't anymore of where it's yeah. it's too difficult or you know or i know that that. the, the I wouldn't be happy with the output that I'm I'm giving out. And you know the guy was you know in his late 70s and had, you know had lost. I mean, this is the guy who, who made his became famous and made his name essentially um, through being um, as much a, a talker as a writer. And this is a guy who who lost the ability to to speak. Um, and that's that's all dealt with with, with quite well. And, you know, the actual getting to sort of spend a little bit of time with his with his family and see that kind of relationship there, uh, and see these filmmakers coming out and saying, "Look, look at what he did for me." And this isn't just um, you know smaller independent filmmakers. You know, one of them was essentially Scorsese, basically saying, "I was on my ass uh, at, at the start of the 80s um, and this guy you know this guy's friendship and this guy what this guy did for me um you know helped pull me out of that helped me kind of believe in myself again and you could you know it's it is that thing uh where somebody mentioned in the documentary that you know the, the big music writers of the 70s they mingled with the people they were writing about but were still able to speak objectionably about it and it seemed that the eva had that that same kind of ability
2: yeah, I mean, you got that. You got that bit later on where he it's he, he, There's footage of him talking about the colour of money and talking about how disappointing mm. it is. And Scorsese's just like, and it, it kind of cuts to him going, "Oh, oh," and then there's like more of it. And then he, he says, "I can't." Oh, what was? What is it that he says? But like, he was critical of it, but he was kind yeah. or something, you know. And he was like, cause, "I mean, that that that's the thing." I mean, like, he he could certainly go. Hyperbolic, even though it was less hyperbole and kind of more just trying to entertain. I suppose. I mean, he's very much a journalist first yeah. and, a, and a critic second in in, in that regards. But the I, I like like his review of North, for instance, which I think we referenced mm. when we covered North on the show. And it, 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 you know, it, it, that's the thing where he's even kind of admit he's even saying like Rob Reiner is better than mm. this. You know, you know, I mean, he's not just saying whoever made this is an is an yeah. asshole. Which is something that, to be fair, I, I I think I've mellowed out on that quite a bit. But I might my, I myself used to be that, and I think it was basically because, you know, the the more vitriolic you are, the more attention you get. Yeah, I mean,
1: it and like, it, it I mean, can like, be, you know, it only has to be sort of taken in the fact that. So many people wanted, um, you know, last week, so many people essentially emailed in and tweeted in to With and saying, review Transformers 4, review Transformers 4. And it's not because they wanted to hear a Transformers 4 review. They wanted to listen to Kermode bitch about Transformers 4. I mean, that what well, that's the
2: thing. I mean, like, we even had people saying when Grown Ups 2 came out, we had people saying, oh, is Ian going to go and see Grown Ups yeah. 2? You know, because, like, Like people seem to know, uh, uh, you know, my my take on grown ups on Cinerama got, you know, in in relative terms, it's probably the most I've ever had anyone talk about my like uh, uh, any of my uh, things that I've reviewed. Hmm. You 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 know what I mean? So it's. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I did. And I mean I went on about it for ages and I really, really did hate it, and it was it really wasn't hyperbole, but I could see how somebody would think it was. Mm. You know, and I, I don't know, it's it I I mean film criticism I suppose that's a whole it's a whole other thing. But um I mean the did you think it was particularly cinematic?
1: Um no no i it, it's it's one of those where um i i don't think um documentaries as such um have to be um cinematic um as long as they're either informative um or or entertaining um this it, it felt like it was it was more than just a a profile of somebody made for TV, but it did feel a little bit a little bit like there was more. Like you were saying earlier, there was more in the initial concept of it um, that would have made it feel a little bit more cinematic, a little bit a little bit kind of bigger and 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 more like a, a film that you would. Quite happily go and, pay and see it at the cinema. I was very happy to pay um, to see it um, on iTunes, um, and it's one of those where you know I'm very I'm very happy to hand my money over to it because it, it's a film that I very much want to see and want to support. Um, and I would have probably been really happy seeing it in in the cinema. But in terms of it, is it cinematic? It, not really. No, it's, there's no flashiness to the documentary at all. But that didn't really bother me, to be honest.
2: No that's fair enough um i mean it's um, I, don't, I i i th- i think it is a little slightly bit hamstrung by the fact that it obviously has to um change change tack mm. you know as 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 the film's going on i mean i'd love to see some deleted footage, but it does feel like it captures him well. You know the, the the and I mean like the the stories of him when he was younger and the kind of like the the, the women he used to hang around with and like the bar he used to hang around yeah. in. Um. I I, I I thought that stuff was fantastic and just the fact that it, it it makes very clear that films were not all that Ebert was
1: about. Yeah. It it, it very much it, it doesn't actually kind of it doesn't reference sort of a lot of his um. Sort of more famous reviews, really. You know, it it doesn't go into detail of, uh, and then he said this about this film, or this was his favourite film. It doesn't kind of go down that tack. It very much goes, well, you did this, and they did this, and he kind of did this, and he, he, he felt about doing this, and this was his feelings towards doing that. It's not a when he was eight, he did this and this, and then it went on. And when he it, it, it started out a little bit like that, but then once it got into sort of like him working for the Sun Times and doing TV work with with Gene Siskel, it kind of went. And then these are, these these are how this happened.
2: Yeah, I I mean I I don't know. I mean it's, I don't think it's. It's not a hagiography by... by, by no,
1: it, it, it's certainly is, not a comprehensive uh, look at his, his, his back catalogue of work.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, which is, I, you know, which I think is good. I mean, like it, the, a lesser documentarian probably would have had a talking heads piece of, like, people just saying, oh, his review of blah, blah, blah. Oh, my yeah. God, blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, I, and the one... Person that they do do that with is Martin Scorsese, and the reason why they do it helps that he's Martin Scorsese. But the reason why they do that is because he he'd already got a prior relationship with with Ebert, and, and where, I think
1: as well like executive producer as well.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, no, sorry, totally, but I mean, like, there's a point. Oh, yeah. to having it, Martin Scorsese actually like do the it, talking it, it, here, and,
1: and you know, they quite easily could have, you know, got um, Scorsese could quite easily have said. Or um, DiCaprio, uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, and could have literally just gone through sort of people that that he knew and and got all of them and said, "I want you to come and tell you your thoughts on either." And they would have, and you would have had people lining up the Collin brothers and everyone lining sure. up to say, "Oh, well, you know, he said this about my movie and it was great and it, it gave us the the great leg up and all this lot." And, and and James doesn't want to do that. He wants to spend as much time, I think. Showing you either, you know, showing and saying, look, this man doesn't have the ability to speak. He doesn't have the ability to eat. He doesn't have the ability to really to drink like as all. He's missing his his lower jaw. He he, is missing, and yet he's still banging away, churning out, you know, reviews and blog posts and and things like that. And he's already essentially there's a bit where, really, he's setting up. A website for when he's dead, yeah, um, so that his work will still be out there. And if, if for instance, we mention on our podcast his review of North, someone can then go, Oh, and go to Roger's website and type in North and go, Oh, there's his review of North and give that a read. And then maybe from there, they'll go, That's really entertaining. Oh, he's got a book of, of you know, some of his. his Two star rated films, I love that, you know, and it, that's a great book. It's really entertaining listening to how he he dissects why he didn't like uh, all of those movies. It's you know I've read that book a couple of times. It's a really good book, as good a book as, as the ones way to about movies that he did like.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it's, it's 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 interesting that it it also doesn't. Um, have too much from kind of like internet personalities yeah. uh like i mean like yodorowsky's y- 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 june for instance i mean it's got like Devin farachi and uh, drew mcweeney and whatnot kind of talking and it it instead it, it kind of features his contemporaries mm. uh yeah you know, i mean oh, fuck. um the, you had the guy from uh time um who i think went on the attack about him in the 80s oh, as well
1: like, uh... to... consistius or something like
2: Call this?
1: Call like Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And um, I, I mean, I, I, I think, thought that aspect was interesting yeah, as well. because he still but,
1: doesn't seem to, you know, he seems to have a lot of respect for Ebert but I don't think he'd have ever referred to him that much as being a, a friend, as such.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, quite. And I mean, I, 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 mean, I think that aspect's interesting as well. I mean, like where they're talking about how like Cisco and Ebert were kind of representing the, the the death of criticism, and it just, it just shows these things come in fucking yes. waves, man. It just, it, you know, I mean, like there's this discussion like uh, going on at the moment about if, like, you know, is film dead? And Christopher Nolan's come out and said, uh, well, you know, for essentially like. The cinemas are going to be for the blockbusters and for the things for the for the big screen and you know the, the the small screen's going to become something else it's going to be for more kind of indie things you know with the rise of vod and stuff like that and it just kind of feels like
1: it moves in weird,
2: like this like this where like it, it just like the world's not gonna end and these things are still going to endure and it I, I I don't know. It, it just kind of feels like people should just shut up and love yeah, films, and that's and that's what Cisco and Ebook were trying to do. It was just they were caught in a, a TV format where they had to come up with something that was like e- easily identifiable. And the two thumbs up thing, in fair play, in fairness, is yeah. True
1: and nice. you know, throughout the you know, you can go back and look at a lot of kind of. Um, covers of, of VHS's and, and DVD's as such some films that are from the late 80's early 90's and see the you know, two thumbs up you know, two thumbs up oh, you know, absolutely. I, um, I, I can think of a couple, pump up the volume I'm sure it's definitely on that um, same as um, I know there's an ebook quote on uh, Empire Records and things like that you know, these I, the thing is, is it's there's a a wave of criticism, of film criticism at the moment. And it's like people criticising the critic and people criticising the audience, people criticising that. And it's it's almost like a slight movement has developed where people are no longer talking about films. They're talking about people talking about films. And it's like, do you know what? You write an article about criticising other people about an article that they wrote about criticizing people who went to see a certain film, and it very much is one of those things of, of everybody owns cinema, you know. Cinema is a, a, pro, a product for, for for everybody, which is why yes, something like um, that Mrs. Brown's the movie thing, right? i i will never go and see that i have no interest in seeing it the tv shows on i have no interest in watching the show um do i find it troubling that how much money that's made yes i do but fuck it you know if people have got to watch it fair enough you know i don't understand oh, oh, the, I, don't... the idea behind it um and i don't understand why people go and see that when they could go and see something that looks good but people will do that. People will still go and see those films. It, 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 you know, whether I bitch and moan about it or not, it's still going to fucking happen. So I might as well focus my energy into something else like saying, oh, yeah, by the way, life itself, if you've got access to an iTunes US account or you are in the US, but give life itself a watch. It's really fucking good.
2: Do you know what? I'm going to make a pledge right here and right now. Go on. I am going to try my very, very, very best to not reference other people's opinions on, on things anymore. I do that a shitload on this show. I, I and I need to come up. I just need to be strong in my own fucking thoughts and then if people want to have a conversation with me about those sports at that time,
0: awesome. I, I,
1: I, yeah, I, I, can, I can see, you know, we, we do talk quite a lot about those things, but I think often it's because we come into a film, you know, films, it's, it's, it's very difficult um, in this kind of, you know, this little community that, that we're, you know, a, a part of, um, to kind of get away from, you know, these these conceptions going into film about what it's going to be like. And I know I do, and I, and I, I absolutely know that, that you do, and I know a lot of people do, most people do, go in with their own idea of, um, of right, well, and I go in to every film, whenever I start watching a film, it starts out as a 6 out of 10 for me, and it either goes down or it goes up. And that's that's how I how I work it. Um, so if, if a film never goes up it never goes down, it just stays at fucking 6. It does to piss me off, it starts to drop down. And that's how I start it. Um and that's with every single film. And then there's the rare occasion where, for instance, something like The Master, I went into that with with a six, but in my honest if I was honest, I went into that with an eight. So when it was a eight or a seven and a half out of ten, that's where I was a little bit kind of disappointed because I just went in too high. And occasionally I go into something going, Well, I'm going in with a 6 I'm going in with a six, but in reality, the back of my brain, I'm going in with a five or a four. So if it hits six, um, do you know what? Okay, I'm fine with that. it's I'll always judge a film based on what I think of it. I don't care. I couldn't care less if I like a film and people say, that film is fucking dog shit. Why do you like it? That's just going to make me like it a little bit fucking more. Um, But that's just, just the way I am. It's not me being a contrarian. It's just, I like what I like. And I'll defend whatever I like. I might like some of the shit, and you people might say to me, Yeah, but it's shit. And I'll go, Yes, I'm I'm absolutely aware that it's shit, but that doesn't stop me from liking it. Sure.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I mean, that's that that's it. I don't know. it it, it like watching watching a documentary like this, it just kind of it it does give you like faith in just like trusting your own opinion yeah. and have that sense of your own worth even if it's just yourself and it's not to so anybody else that that ebook did mm. have he obviously didn't give a fuck what anyone else thought about his opinions i mean like he gave four he gave knowing four stars yeah. you know if that's not a i don't give a fuck what you think a, a, a opinion to make i don't know what and i'm good on him for mm. it you know, I mean, like I, I, I realize we're kind of tangencing away from from the film itself, but I mean, like definitely not yeah, shit. Yeah, definitely not shit. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I mean, the, the the suction bit is quite something. I would say it, it well. is,
1: yeah, and they, uh, they seem very much like they wanted to put it on. It was, I, it was, like I say, it it, 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 for me, it kind of affirms something of the fact is that even seems to be one of those guys who he didn't see being old as an illness, he didn't even like seeing his cancer as an illness, it was all just another obstacle to overcome, to do what he loved doing and it kind of makes you go do you know what you know, if somebody can still put that much you know, effort uh, when, you know, when he basically says I'll keep writing until the pain becomes too much that I can't do it anymore you know, like if somebody can do that. It's a little bit one of those situations where, you know, I've had a shit day, and I'm a bit tired, I can't be asked to do X, Y, or Z. It's a bit like, hang on a minute, fuck it, stop being a yeah. pussy and get on with it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, it's it's a definitely not shit. If you're not a film geek, which I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you weren't a film geek, but if you're not. A, a film nerd. I don't think it's for you. It, it, it's for a certain niche. Um,
2: it's yeah. It's not all about film, but at the same time, I don't think it would quite stand up as one man's acceptance of death yeah. and you know like it's, it's something super profound. I think yeah, it would work more if you are familiar with the man. Yeah. For
1: sure. um, I, it was it was also kind of interesting, you know, still hearing a lot of that that despite the fact that it, it, he worked with Gene Siskel for, for all those years, it, it, and, you know, they were... They never... It, it, it kind of makes a point to say, look, they, they worked with him for all these years, but they never really ever actually considered themselves to be friends, even though they kind of were, which was, yeah. which was quite interesting. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I,
1: even though I think there's enough of mm. that,
2: um, in, in, in the film yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah
1: there is it, it, it definitely doesn't say they were complete enemies and they hated each other but it's it, it was it, it's still quite interesting to see that dynamic of, of, of between them certainly mm. uh, yes they're definitely not shit
2: yeah absolutely
1: um ian uh, do you want to share the revelation that you shared with me earlier um uh, <laughs> we'll go a slight tangent before uh, we 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 segue off into our 101 new
2: Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So I made. But, right, okay. So Monday, Monday afternoon, I'm in. Oh no, it might have been yesterday. Actually, Tuesday. I'm in HMV and I'm about to buy Grand Pouda Best Hotel. 14.99 on Blu-ray. Not bad. Mm. I get a tweet from uh, Andrew Jones at Ethan Runt. He says it'll be in there two for 25 next mm. week in, in their chart. it's like, it's a good point that. Yeah, all right. Maybe I'll leave it. You know, I don't really have money for two for twenty five, but ah, oh, sod it, I'll leave it. And then I'm thinking, right, how much would this be to like buy online or something? And you know, Amazon is like 4999 savvy. I think it was I have a look on Google Play, and it's like HD nine ninety nine. It's like, right, okay, so it's two thirds the price. What am I losing? I'm losing the extras. Mm. When the fuck do I actually watch extras now? When the fuck do I watch extras? The only time I watch extras is when I'm reviewing a Blu-ray, and frankly, it's a fucking ball lake that I have to watch the extras. <laughs> I, honestly, some are, so yeah. I'll
1: admit, some, some are a Yeah, you know, and,
2: and, and I just don't have the time. I would actually rather watch another film than I would watch a series of extras. Mm. Um, okay, I might be losing some picture quality. That's that's fair yeah. enough. And I might be losing some audio quality. That is fair enough. It's two thirds the price. So then I'm looking at other things on Google play and some things are like, what the fuck, like an HD copy of looper is 11 99, you know? Um, but then, you know, an HD copy of enders game, a film I like six pound 49, you know, um, let me have a look on Amazon, how much Ender's game is at the moment. Um,
1: because I'm, I'm I'm a i am am ai am well I was an avid um, collector uh, I, I've slowed my collecting down now, but
2: it's a tenor on Blu-ray.
1: But, so. um, but I'm a I'm a, a big still supporter of, of the of physical media. But in saying that I I now I only collect steelbooks. so I only buy Blu-rays uh, steelbooks books uh, and the odd the odd pack. And let's say if I mean I was a season for three quid. And I think, oh well, backdraft three quid. Yeah, fair enough, I'll have that. Right. But I go, for instance, um, in the age of DVD, I would have quite happily bought Grand Food Fest Hotel in a five for 30 quid. Now it's not got a steelbook, so I won't buy it because I know that in you know in six months' time it'll be on um Sky and um, in twelve months' time, it'll be on one of the Netflix.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I I want to watch the Grand Budapest Hotel.
1: Now. Yeah.
2: You know, so that de- de- so de- there's that as, so there's that. Now, then today, I was thinking, I wouldn't mind watching before midnight. I wonder if I can get before midnight on Blu-ray. Can't in the no, UK import it from the no, US. Yes. H D Google Play Store. It's nine ninety nine. Okay, it, it, it nine ninety nine, which is a fair whack for a film that's a year that's a year hmm. old. But it's not available in H D in physical media in the UK. And frankly, it probably never will be at this oh, no. point. Sure.
1: But so it available on Prime?
2: It might be. I don't have uh, something connected to my TV that does Amazon ah, Prime. Ah, right.
1: right.
2: It might be on US Netflix, but I... I am happy paying a tenner for an HD copy of a film that was in my top ten of last my, year. My,
1: my still, still my issue that I, that I have to get over is this idea of um, of buying because you don't you, you don't buy a copy of it you never have a physical something of it you essentially have a, a, a digital license to watch it right and that's my... that that's the issue that that i can't get over is the fact that the i've got a blu-ray player in my living room and i've got a blu-ray player in my bedroom now if i'm watching some uh, and I'm going in the living room. And I go, do you know what? I want to watch this lying down. I can take it out of that, and I can mm-hmm. take it straight into the bedroom. I can do the same with um, my if I'm watching it on Netflix. And I suppose I could do the same watch on Prime. So I suppose the idea of it isn't that. It's just I can't get over the line of going. I own that. That's the my-
2: problem. Right. My response to that would be, and by the way, this is all leading up to the fact that today I bought a Chromecast stick. Yeah,
1: I'm interested and, one of that. To be honest,
2: and I bought the Grand Budapest Hotel and Before Midnight. Um, and to to fund this, basically there are a few criterions. I'm actually looking at. I was looking at kind of getting rid of them anyway because I don't think I'm ever going to really get around to getting into them deep. So I may as well strike while the iron's hot. Um, and, and 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 get shot of them. Plus, I mean, I had a bit of money left over, left over from my film buying budget anyway. So, but uh, yeah. Now, the thing is, first off, with the Chromecast, I can watch it on my telly. Um, on my phone or my tablet, I have a Google Nexus Five phone and a Nexus Seven tablet. I can download it or I can stream it onto the phone or the tablet. You
1: can do that once you own it. You can, you can transfer it to different devices.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, as long as it's like a Google Play device. Right. And the thing about the physical media is, because somebody said this to me on Twitter earlier on, like, well, you know, you don't ever actually physically own the license and it could be revoked. By the time Google would ever revoke a license for a film that I've paid for, I think we'll be so down the line that blu ray will essentially be VHS <laughs> that's that's my thing i I yes, I'm betting, but I'm betting that within the next ten years, say, Google are not going to say we won't let you have this anymore hmm.
1: so are you, are you are you that's it now you're no longer buying any physical film. my
2: my thing is, if it is cheaper to get the thing that I want on Google Play, Mm -hmm. I will get it on Google Play if it's cheaper to buy the Blu-ray, I will buy the Blu-ray but, if I can just watch the thing on Netflix, I will watch the thing on Netflix, unless I really do just want a copy So for
1: instance um, I don't know Uh, I'm trying to think of something right, here we go, for instance um, last year I bought, uh, on Blu-ray, for £8, um, I bought National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? Yeah. To have that. Now, I know that every... And I only watch Christmas films in December, so I'm only going to watch that in December, and I watch it on the 1st of December every year, and I watch it two or three times throughout December to get my fix of watching that film. Um, sure. Now, I know for a fact that that film will be on Sky On Demand and it will be on a Netflix. But I still have the physical copy of it, just in case. Just in case there's that outside chance that it's not going to be, even though I know it's going to be. So what I'm saying is, you're not going to do that. If it's available on Netflix, you're not going to bother buying
2: Essentially, yes, unless it's basically, so say like Grand Budapest mm. Hotel, I want a copy of Grand Budapest yeah. Hotel. If it's cheaper on Blu-ray, I'll buy the Blu-ray. If it's cheaper on um, Play, I'll buy it on Play. If a couple of years down the line I didn't have it and it was on Netflix, I would just watch it on Netflix.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that, That's it, yeah. All right, throwing, uh, uh, throwing something else in the mix. Grand Purity Hotel comes out with a stunning looking Steelbook. It is a fiver more than the digital version of it. It's digital version 9.99 and Steelbook's $14.99. Is that a deal breaker or do you still go for the 9 99
2: I go for the $9.99.
1: Because my thing now is how I could justify spending um, for instance, 19 99 on the under the skin blu-ray uh, on Steelbook is because. I'll buy three steelbooks a, a a month now. Um, whereas before, I'd maybe buy two Blu-rays a week. So that's how I can... That's how I justify it to myself. And I'll be honest, it's helping to save a lot
0: of room. <laughs> yeah,
2: this... My, my thing is basically, I want to save space. Mm. I want to save money. Mm. Like, I... I i'm not that i'm not going to be bent over a barrel that's the thing i want to have options where i can have the cheapest option possible Mm. you know and 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 i mean and that's and that's what it is and frankly i will torrent stuff as well like i'll be honest with that but to be honest with you that probably won't be new release stuff even though in some cases it could be so you know, but um, Life itself, for instance, I genuinely, I've got a US iTunes account and i yeah, paid for it. Yeah, same here. You know, so, I mean, there, there, there is that. And I'll be, I will be absolutely honest as well. Where I have torrented stuff in the past, where it's come out in UK cinemas over here, but um, has already got like a blue rip or something uh, in the US, I genuinely will use my Cineworld Unlimited card and buy a ticket and then watch the thing at mm. home. Because fr- frankly, that morally makes me feel a bit better.
1: And I, I, I will still um, torrent every single Adam Sandler film just out of fucking badness, just to prove a, a fucking man. point. Well,
2: you're a yeah. madman. That's that's the thing. It's like I am, and the thing is, I am compromising on video and audio. Well, you are a little bit, yeah. Th- that that is a good point. Mm-hmm. To that, I would say it depends on how much cheaper the digital copy is. You could say that if it was a couple of quid, mm. like two quid, I would go for the Blu-ray. But the thing so, is, the tenner, the tenner is is a sweet point. Yeah.
1: So so no, a, a, a fiver's nine, difference is too much. 90, a five is. Too much much I
2: a Are you working on a percentage scale? I get the thing for a tenner. Are you
1: working on a percentage scale? So a tenner to a fiver, that's too big a jump. Um, and let's say six quid to nine quid, that's too big a jump.
2: Just about, I'd say a third yeah. is about... I, it.
1: I, I can see the logic behind that. If you've asked me this a, a few years ago, the DVD days, I'd have called you an insane person. But again, Th- this but is... again I, I I did have one year where in a year, so 365 days from January the 1st to December the 31st, I bought over 600 DVDs. Fuck yeah. I was. I, see, I, I worked out it, it was about two point one a day. I bought. That's
2: that mental. Is I mean, this, is, this is the thing. I I slightly want to future proof myself because to be honest with you, I genuinely think Google are going to be around longer than Blu-rays are going to be a prime viewing format. Mm. And. Yes, I may kick myself when 4K comes out and they ask you to pay full price again for 4K. But you know what? You'd have to do the same with Blu-rays. Yeah. So it's that's the thing. The the video and the audio thing is even though the video, to be fair, I started watching Grand Budapest Hotel. It looks
1: pretty mm. good. Well, it's Netflix. isn't yeah. it? it's, you know, it's a similar quality to Netflix. And let's be honest, a lot of the time I look at Netflix and go, "This looks good." You know, it, yeah. it, it, this looks. It's not quite 1018. when I put something like the other day, I put on uh, Blade Runner, uh, for instance, and was a, a little bit of taken back and like went, "Whoa, this looks fucking incredible." And it's because it had been a few weeks since I'd actually watched a Blu-ray; I just watched everything on, on, on Netflix.
2: That's yeah. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, like with with something like Blade Runner or like Apocalypse Now or like the Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock collection, I've got. I'm not getting rid of and, those, you know. I'm not. I'm not going to get digital copies because I I want those as they are. As well, I
1: did notice actually, which kind of ties into what we've been covering recently, that um, on iTunes in the US you can buy the uh, back catalogue uh, HD um, back catalogue of the uh, Planet of the Earth films for twenty two ninety nine. That's dollars. That's about fifteen yeah. quid. You know that's yeah. that's that's com- that's com- comparable to you know what you pay for a, a Blu-ray box set. And my point there was yeah. was uh, w- that i had with um, with you know just buying a digital copy of it. It's often you know something that might be eight quid or six quid on Blu-ray. It'll still be nine ninety nine. You know, I, I you know things like fucking games I have to catch up with the the idea of of um. Of digital possession, you know. I, I still find it incredible that every time I log at my PS4, it advertises FIFA fourteen, uh, fifty four ninety nine. Like I, yeah, you know, about right. I don't think thirty pounds. <laughs> you know, it's it's an old game now. It's gone. You know, it's it's dated. Um, mm. Why you trying to to charge me fifty five pounds for it? It's it's insane. Um. So yeah, I I will still uh, happily be uh, continuing my descent into steelbook madness. I'm I'm not as bad as as other people. I don't collect every single one, but I do have a um a pre-order list that is into double figures. Um. So which actually is very annoying. My cards actually uh, expired, and I've got a new card. Um, and Xavi don't actually have an option to just switch cards. Pre orders, oh, so cool. I have literally, uh, which to be fair to Zavi, what they did ask me to do uh, and props to Zavi on this was to uh, email them the order number and they'd sort it out. And I said, Yeah, order numbers, <laughs> and the list yeah, of like yeah, 12 yeah. orders. So they are looking into it for me. Uh, so, anyway, uh, we we're quite a little bit there from our, our review. Um, <laughs> but that was because time allowed us a little bit so um hopefully you'll enjoy our indulgence Uh, and now we're going to play you some promos some podcasts that we know and enjoy and then you will go into the rest of the show which like i say may sound a little bit different it's because we're going back in time to sunday from wednesday so i hope you enjoy the rest of the show
0: It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. we the sick to manage shit. You'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice, horror. <laughs> and romance. Now he's decided it's time to go back For just one more adventure Humans are such an easy prey Noel Miller presents You're the problem, you little shit The Adventures in VHS Podcast Join me, Noel Meller, as each month I take an in-depth
1: look at one movie from my collection of x rental 80s VHS classics and speak to
0: one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com.
1: just
2: really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. no just just getting confirmation. It's just dealing, that's the third time, though. I mean, almost, this is this on? You can find us at chinstrokervspunster.podomatic.com.
1: So come and share the <laughs> picture. If you could
2: fuck any man in film, who would it be and why?
1: My answer is Lance Henriksen.
2: Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret.
0: I'm Sarah from Gorepress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the Gorepress Gorecast.
2: But Sarah, what is the Gorepress Gorecast?
0: Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another go- oh, for fuck's sake, (laughs) no, that is not helping!
1: That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it?
0: It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently, and selflessly plumb the depths of B-movie hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well,
1: that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast?
0: Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Press Gorecast in iTunes, or you can find us at gorepress.com.
1: got so much knowledge about this film okay you heard some promos there for podcasts we uh, know and like and so let's get into it ian um do you want to give us your
2: one old or one new do you know what i forgot to say at the start um the start of the show as well i kind of edited in something early um in in last week's show but um uh congrats to mike and hannah
1: Yes, congratulations
2: uh, on the uh, birth of little baby Chloe. Absolutely, cute little,
1: cute little kid as well. Yes, um, damn right. About time as well.
2: Yeah, bloody right. Um, I, I think almost as long as um, bloody Lottie.
1: It was, sort of, yeah, yeah.
2: So, um, but eighteen hours labour, man. Fuck, she's a bloody stallion.
1: She, yes, yeah, she is a a a warrior.
2: Yeah, that's a nicer choice of words. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, um, but I, it was meant nicely. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, just I thought Mark probably would want to say congrats as well. Yes, so. I,
1: I absolutely do. Yeah, yes, uh, massive congratulations uh, to you both. Cool.
2: Um, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll do my one you first. Um, so I mean, did you I watch could...
1: um, Atom Aguiar's Chloe in uh, in celebration?
2: May. <laughs> that's a bit. Um, no, I'm not going to say anything to that. That's a bit... You've got a daughter as well, dude. Come on.
1: <laughs> what? Well, it's a terrible fucking film.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just... I don't know what you're trying to infer there. Um, I did not... Nothing,
1: nothing to the... Nothing, <laughs> nothing there, just...
2: <laughs> moving on. To... Should have
1: thought that one through.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. No, no. Um, my one new. I could talk about Michael Bay's Bad Boys, which I have never seen before, despite Had the fact that you... I'd seen Bad Boys
1: 2. So that was your first watch of Bad Boys?
2: Yeah. Oh. But I could also talk about Lawrence of Arabia. So. Hmm. <laughs> it's a fucking hard choice, that one. You know, Bad Boys, frankly, is probably more dude than a monkey. But I think if I talked about Bad Boys over Lawrence of Arabia, I think I'd probably have to cut up some sort of Film Geek membership card. (laughs) So I will just say, the thing... I'm actually writing a piece for Verity. uh, Well, the the blog anyway. There's no way they'd ever actually have it in the magazine and fair play to them. But about the, um, the way that between Bad Boys, which was Bay's first film, and then Bad Boys 2... He'd basically gone from debut film to full on Bay, yeah, full hard on Bay, and uh, like it's just like the how that kind of emphasises the difference between the two films because they are two very fucking different films. Oh yes. So um, yeah, um, and also I will just say. In my research for that, I found that the average length of Michael Bay's films up to the new Transformers is 146 minutes. That's you know the average length of his
1: 11 films. you know what's really sad? What? I knew that. Um, and the reason being is because when I, I watched a couple of, randomly happened to watch a couple of Michael Bay films, um, I think earlier on this year, because I watched Bad Boys 2 and I watched uh, The Rock in the same week. So I'd watched a couple, and I think I'd watched Pain and Gain, and I'd I'd ended up watching randomly a few in in the space of a few weeks um, through no actual design. And I thought, fucking hell, they're always quite long. And I I looked at it and checked, and I think Bad Boys is the only Michael Bay film under two hours long. You're right, sir. Um, So I actually did the same thing, and, and... I added them all up and worked out what the average and was like, holy shit! The average Michael Bay film is like nearly two and a half hours long. (laughs)
2: Yeah, which I it just and he's done eleven films. It's not like he's only made a few films. Hmm. Like it's ridiculous. Like Bad Boys is one hundred and eighteen minutes, and his next film was um was The Rock, Rock, I think. Yeah, and that was about one hundred and thirty something, I believe. Hmm. And then Armageddon, I think, is one hundred and forty eight.
1: But I think it, one of the sorry. things. Go on, go on sorry, I finish.
2: No, 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 go on,
1: go on. I think one of the things he, he, he had was um, he had the faith of Brockheimer. Yeah. And um, at the time, J. Brockheimer was basically, you know, this is Brockheimer was making a lot of money out of these movies, and so he was basically going, look, this guy's one of my fucking boys. If he wants to make a two-and-a-bit-hour movie, he'll make a two-and-a-bit-hour movie, and do you know why? Because he'll make fucking money.
2: Yeah, true that, man. I mean, it just like, I mean, that's the thing, say what you you want about a lot of Bay's work, but, yeah, I mean, a, a film like The Rock, it does actually justify its length. Um, and it's got an interesting third act. I mean, Ed Harris's character alone mm. makes that film more interesting than it probably should be. Um but then by the time he gets to transform his age Extinction, which I mean I haven't seen, but two hours forty-five minutes just sounds wearying. Mm. And, and I mean I'd say that as someone who liked pain and gain, but then again, I think pain and gain is him basically it's almost like he got he got really, really drunk and like like just like bared his soul for two mm. months, and his soul is this horrible <laughs> fucking
1: Walt version of the American Dream. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Where, which happens to look really good. Yeah, where
1: he basically says, "Look at all this shit that I can show you, and you fucking pay me, and you'll come and watch it, and everybody yeah. will hate me, but you know what? I'm fucking rich." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now give me Transformers.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. I it just, oh my god. But um, anyway, Lawrence of Arabia.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Um. So yeah, this first time watching it, and basically I. I'd started watching it um, maybe last year, but probably the year before I've had it on Blu-ray for ages, but the thing is it's about two hours, 40, uh, no, sorry. That's three hours, 43 hours, 45 minutes long. So it's not an undertaking you take lightly. And at the time I only had a 32 inch TV and I got 20 minutes into it. And I was just like, I actually need a larger TV for this. And that's the first time I've ever stopped a film thinking I actually need something larger for this. Mm. Um, And, I mean, now I've got a 42-inch TV, which still seems like it wasn't large enough, to be honest. But, um, yeah. Now, the thing that I really, 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 really came away impressed by, and there's a shitload to be impressed by with Lawrence of Arabia... Is the fact that absolutely everything feels entirely justified, and there's like there's not an ounce of fat on the thing, and it just it tells this story, and it feels it just feels like you're watching a a, a normal length film, Hmm. it genuinely does, and it, it just by the end it was absolutely flying by. And that's helped as well by the fact that the end of the film, the last half an hour or so, is really, really quietly tragic. Um, Have you seen it?
1: Yes, yeah, I have.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I was really taken aback by that. You think it's building up to something, like uh, major in terms of like a battle or something like that. But it's not. It's just building to an emotional realization of this man who thought he had found his place in the world where previously he never felt he had. And then he realizes that he can't be there basically because of social reasons and essentially the color of his skin. And, and as much as the individual groups that he encounters will accept him he 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 just can't be in that place doing what he needs to do to be able to to be able to win. And his realization that he's not bulletproof is is actually genuinely upsetting, which is quite something considering it's the tale of a man with an incredible ego. Mm. Um, and I I don't know just the, the, the fact at the end of the film is literally i don't i don't really want to spoil too much for anyone who hasn't seen it i i i bet there are quite a few people who haven't seen it because that's of its you know because of its length frankly yeah but the the last shot is really quiet and really really sad and just like the last line of the film is just no don't no 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 that's that's not it at all you know it just mm. and then and then it ends i it's it, a hell
1: of a thing. It is. It, it does almost seem like it's. It, in some way, you could see some people going, "What is that? It that's, yeah, yeah, that's, how, it, yeah. that's, that's how it ends." So in a way, it almost seems, almost anticlimactic. But but in actual reality, it's, it is like say it's it's a it's a realistic kind of gut punch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, it is just this kind of horrible emotional thing. I mean, like then there's, there's one moment in particular that really struck me. Um, there like he leaves this meeting and these guys just carry on. And there's, um, there's a member of the army. I think he's a general who had been a, a, like a bit prim and proper with Lawrence throughout the entire thing and he senses this injustice about something, this thing that's just happened and he runs out to find Lawrence and Lawrence is gone. And it's just, you want someone to just say to him, this isn't fair, you, you know, it's not, you know, it's not fair. I just want you to know that I know it's not fair as well and that he's not by himself. And 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 yet he doesn't get that. He just walks out, and someone asks uh, who was in the beginning of the film and another bit of the film asked to shake his uh, asked to shake his hand despite not knowing anything about him. And it, it just it's it's really it's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. Hmm. And uh, but I mean, as 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 well as that, I mean, like obviously the score is incredible. The the, the visuals are out of this. World, I mean the, the Blu-ray is is insane. I mean it's so good looking. Um, and it just it it feels like a film I'm gonna want to stick on when I've got an entire day to wallow.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can see it could be a good a good day to wallow film.
2: Uh, it just yeah, man. I mean it's like it's something that I'm I'm going to be showing Lottie whether she likes it or not, uh, <laughs> and I can't wait.
1: To be honest, you know, that that's kind of how I got shown it.
2: Yeah, cool. I mean, I, I, I mean and, and, and and that's it, you know, and I mean, like, if we have another, like, assuming we do, that kid's going to be seeing it as well, you know, it, it, it's just, it's one of those, I think it's one of those films that it, 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 obviously every, like, film fan needs to see. I, I'm just, I am kind of kicking myself now that it's taken me 29 years to actually see Lawrence of Arabia, but I have now, so awesome.
1: Cool. Right, um, I'm gonna throw my my one old at you. Um, first of all, um, I rewatched um, last night um, Tim Burton's, um, I think, his second film um, of his of his career, uh, the 1988 movie uh, Beetlejuice.
2: I have never seen Beetlejuice.
1: You've never seen Beetlejuice.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Um, I'll try not to give too much away then. It is indeed his his second film. Uh, You you know the idea of Beetlejuice anyway, I'm guessing anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, So, and I'm sure pretty much everyone, if if they've seen the film or not, knows the idea of of Beetlejuice. Um, Beetlejuice is a bioexorcist who exercises the dead, and he's played magnificently by Michael Keaton. Um, You've got Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, who are a young couple who live in Connecticut and they are deciding to take a vacation but doing that wonderful thing having a home vacation where they're going to stay at home, they're going to do bits and bats around the house and tragically they're killed and uh, their house ends up in the hands of Catherine O'Hara and Jeffrey Jones uh, who bring on their daughter Winona Ryder and fun ensues running through it. Um, so not really too much of to the story because I most people who've seen it will know the star. I'm just surprised you haven't seen this though. It's um, but what I'll say is um, I'm a I'm a very lukewarm uh, person on on Burton. Um, I well you know three, a few years ago I just said I like his earlier stuff but I don't really like his his later stuff. Um, in actual fact, I I like Beetlejuice and Edward and Batman uh, Returns and that's about it. The rest of them, I'm just—I quite like Mars Attacks, but the rest of them, I, you know, I'd probably never ever watch them again. Um, but what I am just amazed about, um, with Beetlejuice is, it how, it got how he got these actors to do some of the things they do. I mean, for instance, there's a specific musical number, um, in the middle of it. And he manages to get uh, Jeffrey Jones uh, and Catherine O'Hara and a few others to do this 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 quite strange dance, and it's just you watch it going. How did he pitch this uh, <laughs> to mm. uh, to to? I mean, because it was I mean, the production company was uh, Geffen Film Company, but and it was distributed by what by Warner, but even the Geffen Film Company, which kind of were they're not a, they're not a big studio company. Um, and they, you know, they they didn't make that many films, and, um, uh, you know, they they've done quite well with things like uh, Risky Business. I think had done quite well for them. Um, and you know they had done well with Little Shop of Horrors, so they were probably easier to convince than a than a few others. But it's still a very strange film to pitch. It's like, What is it? Well, it's about these two people who die, and they want to get these people out of their house so they get this exorcist. But they did. You know, this exorcist exercises the dead, and he's he's crazy and it's and, and if you actually go through the story and actually work through it all and actually try and pick it apart it, it just unravels into nonsense It there's bits of it that, that completely cross over and contradicts itself and it actually makes no sense at all it is peppered with holes but that doesn't stop it from being it's 92 minutes long so it gets in and gets the fuck out but it doesn't stop it from being a wonderful film. Even when Michael Keaton um, isn't on screen as Beetlejuice and being this unbelievably anarchic, charismatic kind of anti-hero of the piece You know, that, that kind of throws himself into it, even when he's not there, the actual ideas behind the story really do still work very well. The effects are still look really nice. What's nice to watch is a Tim Burton film where it's not just garish computer-generated colour just thrown at you over and over again, and then Johnny Depp will pop out and do that fucking weird version of, what's it, that cross between Jack Sparrow and Edward Scissorhands that he does in every Burton film, and then you're just sat waiting, going, oh, so who, who's his, his life partner going to play in this one, then? Uh, it's nice, and refreshing to have that in a Tim Burton film to be able to actually fucking enjoy one. Back when he was quite a, you know, a fresh and vivid kind of director. Uh, but it all boils down to the fact that Michael Keaton is just magnificent. His comedic delivery is just brilliant uh, in this film, and it's one of those where I I I used to own this uh, on a recorded off TV VHS. Nice. Um, And I used to, and you know, this is back in, like we've said it before, but back in the day before you had access to everything you had access to now, and you maybe had a stock of, you know, and I had quite a lot of VHSs, but I still had a stock of maybe when I was a kid, sort of 30 or 40. And this was one that I'd watch a lot. Um so I know this film completely inside out. And I also know when it when I can still watch it now and my brain still goes, Yeah, this is where the credits where there was an advert. And I'd stopped yeah, it. Yeah. And I'd stopped it, uh, stopped the recording and then restarted it when it had come back on from the advert just to get rid of the advert. And I'd done that. Um so yeah, I can remember those bits. And I almost wish that I hadn't got rid of the adverts and I could go back. I probably still got the video now that I could go back and sort of watch it and get an idea of the adverts that were on at this fucking time and get that kind of time capsule thing that you get from something like that. But it's, um, I want to say it's, is, is, um, I watched it cause I got, I got the steel book recently. Um, the blu-ray transfer looks, you know, for a film that was made in uh, the late eighties, um, that isn't considered an absolute fucking classic. Um, it it still looks pretty fucking decent on Blu-ray. It's a nice looking transfer. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, what I would say is is one one drunk Saturday night, pop it on. I think you'll have a you'll have a lot of fun with it.
2: Yeah, no, it's, I don't know. I I it, it is one I've just I have been meaning to get round to. You know, I, I I don't know why I haven't.
1: It's 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 my favourite Burton.
2: You see, uh, you see that, make Yeah, all right. I need to... Maybe maybe I'll watch Beetlejuice this week then, because obviously with Planet of the Apes and whatnot, it'd be nice to...
1: Watch a good film. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously... We'll, do you know what? I'm really intrigued by the Burton one, because I haven't seen it since the cinema. No, me neither. So, yeah, <laughs> like, watching that fucking thing is going to be pretty mind-blowing, I think.
1: Yeah. um Well, I, I, the last thing I'll say about uh, about watching uh, Beetlejuice, is it's strange how in just when I watched it as a kid, the kind of... the object of my uh, childhood affections was Winona Ryder at the time, and now it's kind of moved on as I've got old and I've gone, I don't know, Harry was pretty damn fucking hot, actually.
2: I get a bit like that with Alice Janey sometimes. I know that sounds weird. No,
1: I, uh, no I, I, can, I can see that, and we all know about my uh, prediction to uh, Patricia Clarkson.
2: Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's right, yeah, of course.
1: But yeah, yeah I, I can I, see the Allison Jenny thing, I can see that, yeah.
2: A little bit, yeah. You know, just a, you know, a little bit, yeah. You
1: definitely but, got some, yeah, we'll go for that. I'll give you that one. That's, um that's Right, awesome. go on in, hit us with your one old.
2: Cool. So, uh my one old is a film starring Tim Burton's life partner. Um probably won't talk too much about this one to be honest, but I rewatched The Lone Ranger, which um did we actually do a
1: full review on? We didn't do a full review. You did a full review on um, Heroes, I believe. On Heroes, so we yeah, did okay. something else, I think.
2: Yeah, all right, that makes sense. I didn't think we had. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I rewatched Lone Ranger. I bought it in a 5 for 30 in <clears throat> in Xavi um, in uh, um, a couple months back. And uh, I've been kind of itching for a rewatch for a while, actually. It, it's... Um, I, 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 the first time I watched it, I mean, I gave it 3.5 out of 5 on Letterbox, but I was very up for, like, giving it another go. And I'm glad I did, because I'm not going to say it's a 5 out of 5 masterpiece at all, but um, I think it, it's really worth your time. I don't quite think it's maybe worth the two and a half hours that it is. Um, I mean, it is literally two and a half hours long, Um but the thing that i think m- m- fucked the lone ranger up really is the fact that it was famously like the production was kind of stopped just before they were going to start shooting cuz disney suddenly said the budget's too much you need to cut you need to cut a bunch of money out of this i think they managed to cut like 40 50 million dollars out hmm. and basically the way they one of the one of the major ways they did that is the fact that in the original version of it there's supposed to be some like werewolf action going on and there's there's an element in the film of nature being out of balance and so i mean like you've got the kind of like the carnivorous rabbits um that, that kind of don't really make much sense and uh, i mean like the spirit horse does a couple of crazy things and it basically the whole nature out of balance thing it comes down to being a punchline a few times in the film whereas it it seems to me like in the original script there was going to be a werewolf and you've seen Lone Ranger, yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming William Fickner's character, Butch Cavendish, who eats people's hearts and shit like that, I think he was originally supposed to be a werewolf. Yeah. And that, as well as the Tom Wilkinson plot, you had a werewolf going on in it. And that kind of the thing is it kind of would have made sense but I also could have seen if they just didn't have any of that nature is out of balance stuff at all um because if he was a werewolf it it kind of feels like it would have been rather random and yeah. a bit like wow okay, there's a werewolf in this western what the fuck but I, but as it is now it just I mean it kind of lends a bit of um gnarliness to the fact that William Fitness character like eats people's hearts and shit, but it kind of feels more like an affectation. And then you've got a bunch of this nature is out of balance stuff as well. And it it kind of feels like they literally just tipexed out any mentions of werewolves, any any bits of the screenplay where it refers to CG shots of werewolves and then just carried on. <laughs> um it's it's most odd because I mean like this whole idea as well of the Wendigo that um Johnny Depp's character is kind of bringing up that um you know he's he's after this uh he's after this uh Wendigo. And I think it it, it was probably that his the, the werewolf character maybe had actually killed his tribe or something like that. Speculating, but it kind of like the the the, the bits are there, you just have to kind of join them up, I think. And Whereas in the film itself, it's just kind of like there's a realisation. Oh, no, there is no Wendigo. And that's about it. Yeah, it, 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 just, it, <laughs> it, it, it just it kind of feels like there's, there's stuff there that just isn't quite clicking. And I wonder if in that version, if Helena Bonham Carter had more to do than have two scenes where she provides information in the first scene and then she provides a distraction in the second scene. And that's literally all she does but her character has about 10 15 minutes of screen time yeah um it's it, it, you know it, it's 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 weird but the thing is, it's a shame. And it, I mean, like it, I think this is a film that's already getting reappraised. I mean, to be honest, the gap between it coming out in the U S and it coming out in the UK was a few months. And in that time it was already getting reappraised. Yeah. But I, mean, I remember, I, I remember like the empire review of it was already referencing the fact that it was due a bit of a reevaluation and ostensibly it was like their first review. And, um, it, cause I mean, the, the thing is there's, there's an awful lot of joy to this. Um, and, you know, I will say as well that the bits with um, Johnny Depp as the old Tonto so kind of relaying the story. I, I can't help but think they probably, those bits probably could have cut, been cut out as well,
1: and you would have lost nothing. No, they you would have lost nothing. That that felt a little bit like like they went. Could you just could you add something that explains what the fuck's going on? Yeah, just
2: so every now and then this kid it can cut to this kid saying so blah 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 blah. And Johnny Depp going, oh, blah 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 blah, blah 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 blah, blah 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 blah, keep on keep on keep on keep music. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, 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 so I mean, there's 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 an awful lot of stuff that's wrong with this film. I don't think it was last year's John Carter, a film which I genuinely think people didn't give a chance and is genuinely brilliant for me. Hmm. Um but yeah so the the but the thing is army hammer and johnny depp are really good together uh two desperate characters i like the fact that they they kind of like team them up at the start but they're not really teamed up and it takes a while for them to really actually properly team up um there's great visual invention in the film i mean i mean the fact that Gore evensky wanted to actually like make a massive rail, like, a rail network for this, and did, is insane, but it kind of feels like, the fact this film made no money, it kind of feels like that this is the kind of thing that's not going to get done in the future. Um, and, I mean, that that stuff's impressive, but it's, it's smaller touches as well. There's a fantastic shot in the third act, and the third act is awesome. One of the best third acts in blockbusters in, I don't know how long, frankly. But, there's this great shot where um, the Lone Ranger's fighting in the foreground. And then between him and the, the guy he's fighting in the background, Johnny Depp is kind of going up this ladder. Yeah. That's on this speeding train. And it's like, it's, it, it is like something out of Buster Keaton. Mm,
0: yeah. You know, yes, like, it,
2: it is. It, it's like a high tech, like Sherlock Jr. or something. I mean, it is amazing it's amazing and and yet here is just this weird little moment in this and it just there are there are moments like that where the gore Vabinsky just shows himself to be the cine literate guy that he is i mean rango is all cinema references all the time yes you know but i mean like this this has got that kind of thing as well but i mean like the, the the production value of the thing is wonderful um I mean, it kind of like it's like Casino Royale, um, where like the Bond theme is kind of referenced, but it never kicks into what till the end. It's like the Lone Ranger theme, kind of it gets an early airing, but then it's kind of just not really there. And then when in the third act, it really kicks off. It, it's just a, it, it's a great moment. It's a great cinematic moment. And I mean, there's just there there is stuff that really doesn't work in this film. But there's an awful lot of stuff which is fantastic as well. I just really fucking wish it was closer to two
1: hours it It does linger for for a bit too long
2: I mean, yeah i mean it, it, the, 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 and that kills it but i i just i I wonder why it was so hated when it first came out i it was it just the whole the story behind it was making it kind of like it had. It was destined to be a bomb. It had to be a bomb. Yeah. I mean, were people sick of Johnny Depp? I mean, like you've had that with Transcendence as well.
1: I, I think. I think it had it been released three, four years earlier, I think it'd have been all right. I think it it, it, it suffered a similar thing that that um that a lot of sort of blockbusters suffer nowadays, where if they're not part of a pre-existing franchise or a direct sequel from something, they often get they get looked at differently. Um, and you know we had the same thing with with Pacific Rim, um, and with the same thing with John Carter. People were almost looking forward to the downfall of these films, and it, it it did seem it did seem strange. I think it is it. it it, it's like anything, and you know there becomes a narrative around things, and that narrative often can could inflict uh, on opinion. And people's opinion already was that this film wasn't very good before they actually saw it. Mm. it yeah, it,
2: it just I I don't get it, and I mean we won't have a sequel, but I, I mean I, I do like the fact that the film's not beholden to a sequel. I mean as yeah. much as I as much as I love John Carter the blue balls ending that it gives you where it's setting up Mark strong as the main bad guy pretty hard. Mm. And then, and and, you know, the, the the kind of the whole ending with him going back to Barsoom and whatnot, it just, like it, it, maybe it's just me wanting a sequel really badly, but it just, it kind of feels like there is a little bit of, Hubris there, where they just thought they were going to get a sequel, so they ended it in in that kind of way. Even though, you know, the way John Carter the film ends, it's basically he goes back and lives happily ever after, Hmm. which is kind of nice. I just, it would have been awesome if we could could have seen what did happen next. Yeah. Um, But with Lone Ranger, I mean, it, it obviously, it kind of like says, oh, if there was another one, we could certainly do that. But it's not coming up next on. It's not. It's not the last two minutes of Jumper, which I think <laughs> is still the most egregious <laughs> sequel baiting. With that and the Golden Compass. Yes. Uh, even though you know that can't really be helped because it was based on a, a you know on a book trilogy and it only ended up getting one film. But like with Jumper, where like it literally, I've only seen Jumper once, but I still remember this. Like the last two minutes is him going round to his mother's house and he's just found out that she's a wrong and. And Christian Stewart opens the door and it's mm. like she's it's like a like half sister or something. And it's just like, oh, you know, well, this is basically this is what the plot of the second film's going to be.
1: No, it's in a couple of years, you know. Because <laughs> it's, it's a terrible film. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, um, in case you were wondering, what we covered that week when The Lone Ranger was out was Now You See Me and A Field in England. In the UK, yeah, it
2: came out in the UK in like August.
1: Is it? I almost looked at the wrong poster then. We didn't cover that then. I must looked at. I must look at the wrong oh, release date. What
2: did we do? All right. Well, I'm done on Lone Ranger anyway. So I'll have a look. Do you have know, but, go?
1: Um... See what, what, what you can find. Right, um, my um, one new uh, is actually a film from 1985. Um, it is probably the the one uh, 80s. Um, teen comedy that I've, I've not seen. Uh, and I've been meaning to get it uh, knocked off my list for, for quite a while. Um, it's the uh, Savage Steve Holland, um, John Cusack film, uh, Better Off Dead. Um, and I decided to watch it because I was, in in jokey referencing, um, actually it, it, the length of um, Transformers, um, the new Transformers movie. And I was mentioning to Noel that uh, he could watch the... Um, Two ski school movies. Um,
2: well, it, it, I just found out the film that we did. What was
1: it? It was the fucking canyons. Was it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> that you couldn't couldn't get more 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 differing. What I will say actually though, canyons, slight canyons tangent. Um, the recent uh, Brett British Ellis podcast uh, with. Um, Alexander Ayer on it um, is is brilliant. It's a brilliant listen.
2: I need to listen to that guy's podcast. What, what's it
1: called? It, it's just called the Brett Easton Knowledge Podcast. Okay. Uh, some of them, some of them, I'll be honest, are complete garbage. Um, but some of them uh, are, are really fucking interested. Um, I mean, the ones I'll recommend are um, that I've listened to so far. The um, James Van Der Beek one's quite good. The Alexander Ale one's really fucking good. Um, The shit, what's his name? Um, Who did... um, Who just got the immigrant coming out? James Gray. James Gray. His is really good. And I know he's not everyone's um, cup of tea, uh, but the two-parter that he did with uh, Kevin Smith, is really fucking interesting because what you get from Smith there is it's not Smith going, yeah, I'm fucking great, I'm fucking wonderful, I'm fucking great, you know, I watch my movies, man, I'm fucking yeah, fucking yeah. It's him just talking about movies that he likes and movies that he's liked for the year and, you know, and it's it's not him going, ah, fuck the studios, man. It's it, it's him just kind of talking about movies that he loves and why... What's the Ivan Reitman one like? I've not got not the Reitman one yet. Oh shit, man! I need to fucking
2: get on this. But
1: they are, they are, they are actually really quite good. If you can, if you can handle Brett Easton, you've got to accept with it that Brayson is is he, he's quite good. Cause it's just a conversation. It, it's a really good podcast. He gives his views on it and stuff like that. Um, but he does often kind of drop a lot of fucking. Uh, well, I was at a party with this guy. Uh, and um harvey um uh, put on a special screening for me of the film so i wanted to watch it and things like that and you've kind of got to get used to that very quickly
2: i mean like just looking at the fucking the guests that he's had on this thing i mean he started off with kanye west fuck's sake. So kanye west marilyn manson judd apatow the apatow Chuck one's Poisterman, good Ke- kevin smith oh is it oh yeah okay um but then, like Michael Ian Black is quite small, like Joe Swanberg. So I mean, like he's got an interesting mix of mm. of like kind of big and small. Fucking yeah, all right, I'm on this shit. Yeah,
1: they, well, well, honestly, but they are they are well worth a listen. Um. So yeah, that was my slight uh, tangent because I mentioned canyons there. Um, yeah, yeah, so good work, man. Um, but. Uh, so anyway, I was as I was saying, um yeah, so I, I mentioned about um Ski that that No one could watch I almost watch uh Ski Skeep, uh, and Skeeple two in the same amount of time, um as it would take to watch, to watch uh, the fourth installment of the Transformers movie. And as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I love fucking skiing movies. Uh, so I decided that I haven't watched a, a skiing movie in a while. And uh, Mondo Dan's for the Rich um, <laughs> mentioned to me that Bear Off Dead's uh, actually kind of, in a, a way, about skiing. So I thought, wait, well, that's it. I've got to watch it now. It's an 80s teen comedy. A film? Yep. It's got John Cusack in it. And has got
2: can, in it. Can I just say, uh, Sleepy Chris, Chris Acuna, a uh, lo- lovely lady. Um, she. I did this um, on Cinerama. Uh, I did a thing about, like, uh, if you. Like, for Fright Fest where I was just like, if you pay me like a, uh, a certain amount, I'll do a review or something, pay me a tenor and I'll do a commentary or something. Noel and I recorded uh, did a commentary on Better Off Dead. Did you? And, yeah, and then I'm the call graph that. fucking thing. Oh. No, the call graph thing falls up and it never went up. Oh. And it was, a, I, I will say, I had a blast doing that
1: commentary as well. Was it, was, but, yeah. So, so, you, so, yes, you've definitely seen this film. Yeah, yeah, me and Noel did a commentary on it. Yeah, yeah. First time I went into it, uh, and I knew I knew very, very little about it other than that it had John Cusack in it and there was skiing in it. So I was I was set. Um and for those who don't know, um, Better Off Dead uh is about John Cusack's character, Lane Meyer, um, who is he has a, a girlfriend, uh Beth, played by Amanda White, who you might know, recognised from she's Freddy Krueger's first victim in uh, a nightmare on Elm Street. Um and it, oh, yes, and he's he's basically is obsessed with her. Um, you know, his entire room is covered in pictures of her. And then there's a great scene where he walks into the closet and every hanger uh, every hanger has a picture of her on it so it looks like she's wearing all the clothes, which is a wonderful little scene that probably took, like, ages to set up. And it is literally there for 30 seconds, not even that, 15 seconds, and then he's gone. But it, 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 it works so well. And that's kind of the thing about this film, is there's so many little bits that happen that you look at and go... There's an awful lot of work gone in for that purely incidental joke, uh, yeah. and, and I love that about this film. Um, so, at the start of the film. He uh, he gets dumped by Beth, and his thing is that he wants to try and win her back. And at the same time, uh, across the road, an exchange student has moved in with the creepy, um, weird fat kid and his creepy mother, who it seems like, and he's actually quite inferred, that she's got this French exchange student in to basically get her son a boyfriend. Uh, boyfriend, a girlfriend. Uh, he's also got a, a mother who cooks everything she cooks, turns out green and weird. A brother who doesn't stop, doesn't talk, but seems to be some kind of boy genius. Uh, and the typical 80s dad. Um but there's just some, it's almost like a a sketch show thrown together to make some kind of movie. You've got this, um, every time he seems to pull up at a red light, um, these uh, two Japanese um, drag racers uh, stop next to him. One of them who never talks, and one of them um, who talks like um, American sports commentator Howard Cassell. Uh, and challenges them to a race. And then there's that bit in it, and you've got an insane paper boy who just wants his $2 back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started kind of reading a bit uh, about it after I watched it, because I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a really, really fun movie, and I'm I'm surprised that it doesn't sit in um, with... I I think this this movie suffers from one thing. One thing that I think is a reason why it doesn't get spoken about as one of like the great eighties teen films and is that is that it 's got nothing to do with John Hughes. if this had been produced yeah. by John Hughes or anything like that, I think it would get a lot more uh, credit um, but um yeah it's there 's so much kind of gone into it and and that gives it this kind of this life there's these wonderful little bits where he keeps attempting suicide and apparently um this all, all, of a lot of what's happening um, and the suicide attempts were sort of autobiographical from uh, Steve Holland. You know, he, the paperboy uh, chasing him for the $2, you know, was based on the paperboy he had as a kid who he said, would literally stalk him around school because they went to the same school to chase his $2 down that his dad owed him. And his girlfriend did dump him for uh, the captain, the ski team, and all of these other things. And he did have a relationship with the exchange student, and, and there's all these things that come together. But yeah, better off dead. Uh, if you've not watched it, uh, which I'm, I'm guessing I'm probably one of the, the only people that hasn't seen it, it's, it's a great entry into that kind of subgenre genre of, of teen films. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and also it's great to see John Cusack as another one back when he he seemed to actually care. Although, uh, apparently, he hates this movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, I heard that as well, which is awfully odd. I don't know, it's just a very idiosyncratic teen comedy in the 80s, but where, you know, as good as a lot of teen comedies in the 80s were, they, they, they are somewhat identical, I think. But yeah. this one certainly marks itself out.
1: Yeah, it, it, it it's certainly not a what is it um uh, it's not a john hughes movie what i'll say um mm. uh, for, for that without question uh bear me two seconds can you turn the tap off oh, it's dripping it's driving me insane it's like water torture <laughs> 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 the, the tap is literally just a little bit out of my reach and it's been fucking dripping for about the past half an hour and it's driving me mad nice uh right um so that was our one old and one new. Uh, and we're going through a trailer for the penultimate part of Ian and Mark throw their own feces at each other. Uh, battled- Somebody in the room with you, Yeah, man. Becky's in the room now, look at me strange. Hi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, battle uh, for the Planet of the Apes.
0: We want guns. Now, the final chapter in the Incredible Ape Saga. Here it is, our wars. This is the hell my forefathers used to speak about. This background radiation alone will give us 300 rentgens an hour. The battlefield, a dead city 12 years after the ultimate bomb has been dropped. The prize the right to inherit what's left of the Earth. The contestants, ape against man. The most unbelievable showdown ever filmed. As the mutants, strange transformed men who live underground like moles, battle the apes to decide who will be master and who will be slain. They're getting away. Murdered my son. We will smack the human, and then we will smack Caesar. I don't want to have to remember my husband. I want to love him now. But we who survive. A new race. In the aftermath of his victory, the surface of the world was ravaged by the vilest war in human history. Climaxing the epic series which made motion picture history Comes the last, the most spectacular of all the ape adventures. No, fight, Out of the Forbidden City they roared, to settle once and for all who had the right to rule the planet, ape or man.
1: Okay, you heard a trailer there for uh, Battle of the Planet of the Apes. It is the final uh, instalment of the original run of films. Uh, It is, again, directed by J. Lee Thompson. Um, You've also, again, starring uh, Woody McDowell, uh, and you've got a lot of other actors. But essentially, this is the story of what happens from straight... Well, I think it's set a little bit further on, isn't it?
2: the the guy in the armory at one point says that he's been there for twenty seven years, hmm. and yet one of the main characters is the brother of the guy of the, uh, the the guy in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, who tries to reason with Caesar. So the timeline of this film in general, is not one of its strong points. And
1: also, MacDonald doesn't I say it, of aged 27 years.
2: Yeah, well, th- this is it. How how this society has emerged in 27 years, how all of these apes have suddenly started talking in this space of time is something. We'll get into it.
0: Yeah, um,
1: so essentially what you've got is you've got the very kind of early stages for what becomes the first movie um, it's, a, it's a society where Caesar acts as its ruler um, and uh, he has human, they're not what that, they are slaves essentially aren't they? I don't think he'd like to call them slaves but essentially they are slaves uh, and he's got um, humans teaching um, the orangutans, the gorillas um etc. teaching them how to read and write, and teaching them sort of general studies, essentially. Um, but very early on, we're introduced um, to um, a gorilla uh, named Aldo, uh, who straight away seems to seems to have issues uh, with with humans. Um, then from there. Um, MacDonald basically goes to Caesar and tells him that he can. He knows that if they go back um, into the forbidden zone, which essentially is the city, uh, that he can he can locate uh, images and recordings of his mother and father, um, and this draws then the attention of um, the remaining humans that are still in the cities, um, and thus starts the the. the full-blown war that we've been promised. Uh, Ian, thoughts on Battle for the Planet of the Apes?
2: Battle for the Planet of the Apes is a film that literally, the only cinematic ambition in it is the fact that they cast John Huston for probably about a half day's worth of work.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) And that is literally it. Um, I don't hate it because it's still got Roddy McDowell and I, I'd rather enjoy Paul Williams um, as Virgil. Mm. And it does have John Houston in it as the lawgiver, which is just mental.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really, really mental. Actually, <laughs> it is. what, well, sorry? That is really fucking strange. It's got John Houston there. It, it's just it. like it's like it, it literally. It's a
2: guy in a, in a really kind of shit ape costume, and he starts talking. And I have seen this before, and you know, this is just my from my first experience. He starts talking. And you're just like, that sounds like fucking John Houston. <laughs> yeah. And then you just look at him. And it's just like, have they actually got John Houston to put on one of these costumes? And you look at him a bit more, and it's just like, How much did they pay John Houston to put on one of these costumes? It's and and, and and then you have the lawgiver doing that. And then it cuts to basically them looking like they shot the entire film in a field.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, which, which is probably what happened. I mean, to, to put for some kind of perspective on that, John Huston won two Academy Awards and was nominated for about another twelve or something like that. I think, and he's in the the fifth installment of Planet of the Year. It,
2: it is, it is a bit like Orson Welles voicing Unicron in Transformers the movie. <laughs> yes, and. It just like I I I'm trying to think of what the equivalent would be, but I don't know the because like I mean like Al Pacino or Robert De Niro have starred in shit, mm. but it would be like
1: Clint Eastwood. Well, like,
2: yeah, it, all right. Yeah, it
1: would yeah. Be, it would be like Clint Eastwood if he let's say. If he narrated the introduction to, I don't know, the next fucking Transformers.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but it, or, or it would be like Martin Scorsese. Yeah. But then, then again, Martin Scorsese played a pufferfish in Shark Tale, so you know, it
1: it it, it it's it's a it's fucking weird. <laughs> it's,
2: yeah, it it is. It's weird. John Huston being the lawgiver is weird. Yeah. But the thing is. In fair play, they've been talking about the lawgiver for a while now, you know, and, and, and it's like, do you know what? Yeah. All right. I would believe that it would be a John for a John, John Houston like figure. It's just, holy shit, you got John Houston. <laughs> um so yeah I I hope he got paid a lot and I'm sure he did I'm sure half the film's budget went on him yeah um but it just like the the film oh, it has the smallest budget of of any of them the budgets went down as, the, as they went on and I mean you you can tell again the masks here this time blatantly oh, yeah. the top half of the masks have no articulation whatsoever and it's just the mouth that allows movement, and you compare that to like the first or the second ones, where like it kind of felt like the whole faces could moved move, but essentially it looks like botoxed apes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I mean that. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It just for what this film is 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 trying to be, they just they bless them, they just didn't have the budget. And the thing is, there's not that many ideas here either. The, the the rest of the films, they do have ideas going on. This one is very plotty. It's, um, even though, I mean, like, I, I watched some of the features when, after watching this last night, and they're kind of like comparing it to like Cain and Abel and, you know, like the first the first time an ape killed an ape and that kind of thing. But it just, it, that that's one plot point in a film that is essentially... Three disparate groups going at each other. Mm. I, I, I mean, and that's that's essentially it. And I mean, I suppose you've got the whole kind of idea of it, it, you know the future is not set. You know, to to quote Terminator, but it. I, I don't know. It just it doesn't. There's not much of interest here. And while I enjoy these films, just because they're films about apes and. Like I say, I like Roddy McDowell and I like Paul Williams. They they just like through 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 the film. There's not enough to keep it going. I also think it's telling that it's about 86 minutes long, and the, for the first solid four minutes of the film, it's the Lawgiver talking while scenes from earlier films
1: play. Yes, there is there is that you know there is that's that's noticeable that for such a, a, a such a short film that that. You know, you've got a good kind of like five percent of it is just Flashbacks. scenes from the from previous films. But, but, Mark, I mean, what what, what do you think? Um, it's it's a it's I've, I've, I've had to be a bit of a strange film to be uh, about Planet I was, you know. It, it drew me in, the the, the opening, uh, the flashbacks and everything like that. Um, the actors like that that kind of right round uh, for it. That drew me in, and I was going, well, all right, I'm, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking this, liking the idea that we're that are now in this, we're in this universe, and and that's where it's going. And this is this is clearly set out as to look, it it's sometime on, but it's not. Too far on, seeds are still there, and uh, you know, you've got these the gorillas of series are very, very much defined as being look, these are the almost the jocks, the alpha fucking males uh, of the whole thing, and they're you know, they're taking on that. And you know, the Aldo character came across quite good essentially, he's just an, an overgrown child who has some power, yeah, um, and that kind of works, but then it it gets completely lost um in in its middle um where they go off to find these bits and then you know you get Cornelius ends up um sort of incurring the wrath of, of, of Aldo and it it becomes a little bit muddled and quite plodding uh while it's going through that you're watching going there's a lot of stuff that's that's happening here that that even in a film that is about a planet of apes, I'm going. This seems a little bit reaching now. It's reaching the the sort of the edge of what's of what's believable for me. And then you get the, the the ending, and it's called Battle for the Planet of the Apes. And then you have this this battle, and you're thinking, Hang on a minute, this looks like battle for the tiny little hamlet of the apes, not battle for the fucking planet. Of the Battle for the field of the eight Yeah, and it, it is—it's very much like that. Where you're going? What? Well, this is this is it. This is everything. Well, ah, oh, you know? Do you know what? I, you go to one end and you go to the other end, and you can live without even fucking noticing each other. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and it—it's it's, it's a little bit like that. And I, I felt that they built up these characters and then literally just threw them away. Um, far too easily. Um. In saying all that, um, there was still enough in th- th- that I enjoyed it. I-, I will admit, my mind wandered um, more frequently during this film than any of the others, um, without question. But I still, at the end of it, uh, I was still going, I still, I hadn't lost concentration to the point where I was going, kind of lost this a little bit, but I don't really care. I was very much at the point going, all right, well, okay, fair enough. Um, and it did finish, and me thinking, well, I could watch another one, but I'm kind of happy that 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 closed it out. It, yeah, I mean, it had less I, of a less of a boom than the rest of them for the ending.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like after after Conquest, basically, Fox were like, we can't have a film end like that again. And so I'm 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 kind of not surprised that they do go for this this kind of slightly hopeful ending. Even though I I don't know I think it's kind of interesting the the idea of kind of Caesar whether he's going to go good or go bad. Like there's there's a good dichotomy there, which I I it, it obviously existed in um conquest as well. Depending even depending on which version you watch um with 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 conquest i mean there there is an idea that he could just try and annihilate everyone or he could try and work at it and there's there's a sense of that um there's a sense of that here as well um and i mean i think caesar is actually quite an interesting character and it it kind of feels like he doesn't quite get his due in 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 this one Hmm. really um i mean i thought i think it also doesn't help that the um you know the human threat is not really all that interesting no um you, you, you just don't yeah all right so it's one of the, the kind of the bad guys from the previous one and they're gonna roll up in some cars and try and shoot them great you know it's like Aldo's a are kind of a more interesting antagonistic presence there and i like the the idea of him like he has that kind of like that that confab with the other gorillas, and he mentions, and then you know, and then we'll we'll take over from Caesar, and then they all shut up. Yeah, I like I like the way that it's not just the gorillas are all meat headed and do do and, and do their own their own thing. I like the fact that it's it is the first time that anyone has actually tried to go up against Caesar.
1: Yeah, um, and he, he, he's still seen, he, he isn't, he's still seen as being, like, the the ruler. And it's kind of a little bit like, yeah, we should do that, we should do that, we should do, whoa! Yeah, 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 oh, you know, yeah. That, that's, that's, I, I you
2: know, I, I think that is, that is interesting, and he, the dichotomy between the chimps and the apes, which I mean has been it has been in there since the first one. And to be fair, it doesn't really come up in um, in the third one or the fourth one, so it's kind of nice to have that 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 kind of relationship back.
1: Yeah, um, I also like the and, fact that the, the, the gorillas all they actually seem to want to do is, is is fight and ride horses.
2: Yeah, I like the fact that they are really, 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 really into riding
1: horses. <laughs> they really are, aren't they?
2: Like
1: they like they don't they don't want to write they don't want to learn they just want to ride around on horses like that, that's that, you know fair enough. Uh, do you know what? Do you know what? I would I, there's I remember when I first watched um, Rise Up of, of the Apes uh, and when I first watched that I was like oh, no it's Dawn no Dawn's the next one there. She the Right uh, Dawn's the new one. Dawn's the new one yeah yeah so Rise Up of, of the Apes. I remember when I first watched Rise Up of, of the Apes. I remember turning up Becky and saying If he gets on that fucking horse and in the next shot we see him riding that horse, that's it. This is a fucking five star movie. And yeah, it happened. Yeah. And I was like, Do you know what? That's it. That's it. The only thing that can make that can get better than watching Abe ride a horse is a small monkey riding a dog. Yep.
2: Yep. Exactly. I, I. It looks like there's going to be more apes riding
1: yes. horses. I, I, I think the horse-to-ape riding ratio is going to go up in the in the next film. Yeah, very happy about that. Yes.
2: Um, that's probably a yeah, It, it, really, it probably it, like, is,
1: yeah. There's, 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 there's not an awful lot to uh, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, it's not a, a terrible f- film, um, so I'm going to go with... it. I'm touching cloth with it, to be honest. I don't, uh, yeah. I don't want to say it's shit, but I don't I want to say it's but... definitely not shit.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm very much touching cloth.
1: Cool. Uh, so next week you'll have a double, uh, a double uh, helping of uh, shit being thrown at each other uh, with yeah. Tim Burton's uh, remake of Planet of the Apes and um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes as well.
2: Very cool. I'm very, very looking forward to both in varying ways. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, I've, i only, I've only seen both of them once. Nice. So I'm looking forward to, looking forward to rewatching both in a way. Uh, right. Uh, I haven't checked the emails. So I don't know if we've got any emails. I apologise for that. Um, oh, neither have I. Need shit. Uh, but what I'll do. Is I'll, I'll, I'll. We've got a few questions, uh, and I'll read out some of the answers to to our question that we posed uh, yourselves, which was. Um, Best and worst uh, sports movies. Uh, Ian, have you got a, a, a best and worst sports movie?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, my worst would be John McTiernan's remake of Rollerball, um, <laughs> a film that just is the worst. Yeah, that's
1: a pretty fucking. That's a pretty it, terrible it, sports it, movie. It
2: just, it just, there's, there's. I don't think there's anything redeeming about that fucking film at all. To be honest, it's fucking brutal. Yeah, uh, it's,
1: it's, it's. it's it's not good, is it, at all? Mm.
2: And my my best my best is from a purely subjective point of view rocking for.
1: <laughs> my um my worst is the legend of Bagavance, just a fucking bore fest of a movie. Uh, I utterly hated it. Um, and uh, my best <laughs> Uh we'll go to oh, fucking Rocky Four's a really good shout. <laughs> I think I have to go for Rocky Four as well, that's a really good shout actually
2: <laughs> If you could if you could kind of count no This doesn't work at all, actually. I was going to say if you could get like racing into it, then I'd be tempted to say maybe Vanishing Point. But that doesn't quite work, I don't think. But Vanishing Point is awesome.
1: Yeah, I've oh, had a fashion, but it's fucking wonderful, but yeah, I think it's testing the realm yeah, in that. So well, I mean, before I do the questions, then I'll read out some of the answers that we had for that question. Uh, so, da, 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 da. where am I getting to? Um, Soapy Pitts um, at uh, Boosh71 says, Tin Cup with Kevin Costner, I hate golf, but that's a great film. Uh, I thoroughly agree, uh, Tin Cup is a great film. Um, the Ginger Prince, TGP73, uh, I love semi-pro as it captures the feel of the smaller brother syndrome of the uh, ABA uh, really well, um, and yes, semi-pro is actually a, a film that's a lot more entertaining than it has any right to be. Um, Rich Kid, uh, at Rich J Kid, uh, best rush, man number one of last year, worst, bla- oh, Oh, he's like on one here. Black Ball, truly awful in every way. Oh, Black Ball is. Black Ball is fucking terrible, yeah. Yeah, that's a good call, that yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and what else? Uh, John a., uh, uh, um, John Zola uh, says Best sports film for me is Escape to Victory, in the worst sports film is The Longest Yard Remake. Oh, yes. Yeah, Longest Yard Remake is fucking terrible, as is Mean Machine. Um, yeah. Yeah, fixated okay. on a.k.a. Steve Shooter ready to rumble the both the best and the worst nice um, right <laughs> questions uh, we've got two from Rich Kid so we've got one from last week uh, Rich Kid uh, at Rich J Kid uh, if his football football's handle letter what other sports <laughs> slash mo- um, sportsman slash movie character comparisons can be made Um what was the question sorry if Suarez is football's Hannibal Lecter, what other sportsmen/slash movie so sportsmen movie character comparisons can be made? Fuck. I've got one. Go on. Uh, Arsene Wenger, the Wizard of Oz. Oh, nice. Arsene Wenger, the Wizard of Oz, because he came in, did all this magic, fooled everyone into think he's great, and then spent years just kind of fucking winging it a little bit.
0: <laughs>
2: What about David Moyes, William H Macy's character in *The Cooler*?
1: <laughs> oh, fucking hell, that's brutal but wonderful. Oh, oh, that fucking stung a little bit. <laughs> that's so fucking true. Yes, uh, yeah, yes, absolutely, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> that was fucking a stung to even say that one.
2: David Moyes,
1: man.
2: Yeah. Oh, man, you've got to think of Louis Van Gaal, like someone who kind of seems like he could make a decision that could go really badly wrong, but somehow ends up... Like the opposite
1: of the cooler. You've got to go for somebody who is just an absolutely supreme, smug, arrogant bastard, but can kind of get away from it because they deliver results. (laughs) I'm trying to think of somebody who would fit in with there quite, quite well. Um, Be like Tyler Durden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Some, From a kind of an ideological point of something view, something like it's the that. First yeah, time you... Louis Van House ever been declared, uh, compared to Brad Pitt. But yeah, I'll do it. Go on then.
1: Um, what else have we got? Uh, we have another question somewhere. Um, Rich kid uh thank you very much for the, the question this week. Oh, book. actually, hang on a second. Harry
2: Redknapp has the... Um, no, actually... Don't Bucky know. Dennis. Oh, that'll do. <laughs> um,
1: Matt Wahlberg plays an inventor in Transformers For What are the worst cases of miscasting?
2: Denise Richards as a nuclear physicist in the world is not enough. He's my stock answer for that.
1: Yeah, um, I have Becky, uh, who's making a coffee in the room, has just said the exact one I was going to say, and it's Tara Reid in Alone in, Alone the, in dark. the Dark, yes, yeah, where good she one. plays an archaeologist and museum curator, Tara Reid. Now, no, that's going good- on? I love Harry, She's wonderfully batshit insane, <laughs> but what she isn't is an archaeologist <laughs> slash museum curator. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, that's a very, very good call.
1: Um, and oh, we do have another question. Uh, from John Air, uh, John Zala. Uh, is Michael Bay the most polarizing director currently out there?
2: Uh, I'd be tempted to say yeah. Um, I, I I genuinely can't think of any any film of a filmmaker that inspires a level of defenders and haters as he. To be honest, I mean like I don't know if you because you'd be looking at big 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 Hollywood directors, wouldn't you? And like Brett Ratner is generally people think he's shit. Yeah. Even though I mean, even though
1: apparently he's actually quite a nice guy, but like he just it, apparently he's it, one of those where. If he gets a drink in him, he's a bit of a cunt. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but I think he 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 admits that. Hmm. Uh, I d-
2: yeah, I, I I to be honest, I'd say yeah, you're probably right there. That's not me just not thinking.
1: I just I think I think two I think in a way yeah I think if you are looking at uh, in film geek circles, I think there are more polarizing directors because I think if you're looking basically at Um, standardised movie going public which there is no fucking problem with people who go to the cinema um, four or five times a year and just want to be entertained, you know, cinemas for fucking everybody, it's not just for people like us who get fucking obsessed with it Um, you know, their points are just as valid it's just, you know, they when they go, they maybe want to watch something like a Michael Bay movie I think if you go into the actual kind of it's going into the depths of sort of film geekery. I think there's a few kind of directs out there that, that do that do kind of draw polarising opinions. Uh, certainly, I think people like, for instance, I think Wed Anderson can, can draw quite differing opinions from people. Uh, I think um, Ben Wheatley's starting to have that kind of effect on people where you have people who either get on board with these films or people who don't, and there does seem to be that kind of separating of, of kind of. You rather like his films or you don't uh, I think you are saying it could be said for someone like Joe Karnan as well
2: yeah I don't know I, no I, I I I just think Michael Bay I, I've just been oh, yeah, on, 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 a, whole, on a whole level
1: if, if I was to say you know on a, yeah yeah, I would say that question he, he is the the more sort of polarising there uh, and I think he probably really fucking likes that to be honest hmm. I think he probably gets a kick out of it yeah uh, right, I think that's 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 it for uh, questions uh, for this week. So thank you very much for everyone's response, uh, Ian. What are we covering next week? Uh, boyhood, I believe. Yes, I, I, I think it will, will be yes. Um, and we're also going to bring you uh, two uh, installments of Ian and Mark throw their own feces at each other. Um, we'll also bring you some recent trailer chats uh, and tangents and everything else. Ian, anything to add? uh no don't think so um no cool (laughs) (laughs) right um so that was episode 72
0: uh thank you everybody for listening and we shall speak to you next week boom bye